Today in Gamerhead Radio, we sit down and we talk with the developers of the game Rocket Boat based on the band Rocket Boat, which is not at all related to the ride Rocket Boat. Gamerhead Radio starts now. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Gamerhead Radio. My name is Charlie Technotronicorn Worthley. Candy Mountain, Charlie. I am Jonathan Santiago, a.k.a. Fallon Flynn. We're being for villains! Come on! And this week, we are joined by a uh, boat with rockets. Don't think about it too hard. At least uh, <laughs> part of part of a boat with rockets. To my right from Rocket Boat, I am joined by Josh Henshaw. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? I am doing great. Excellent. And uh, to his right, to my approximate uh, 130-ish, uh, I've got uh, Leo Riveron. Yo, who is uh, the developer for the Rocket Boat game, uh, forthcoming, soon to be seen by the public. Uh, very much looking forward to that. And uh, but we'll get into that a little bit uh, later. How, how are you guys doing? How's how's your week been? Feeling good. Good, good. Yeah, very exciting. Excellent, excellent. John, you? Uh, I'm feeling uh, bloaty today. <laughs> that's uh, Charlie. Uh, that's um, I'm uncomfortable now. Bloaty. Um, why are you bloaty? Because uh, last week I talked about how I can't have any delicious food or beer or dairy or any other thing that uh-huh. is good in this world. And uh, I decided that every time we record on Sunday, uh, I'm just gonna, not going to adhere to that. And I'm just going to eat shitty things anyway. So I eat shitty things. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling rather bloaty, Charlie. <laughs> But I'm good. Um, I'm oh, good. All right, all right. But still, uh, still not letting me feed him beer. So. No, man, can't have it. I want it. I want it. I think about it. You know, I dream about it. Can't have it. I feel like I feel like I should just give you my empties, just so you can take home and just like cuddle up in the midnight and just smell them. I don't know. It's not a good idea when you're <laughs> recording a show. If you do that, I'm just gonna sit here and you're gonna you're gonna have to edit me going. No, no, no. You don't get them until the you show. leave. You oh, take them home. It's a parting yeah. gift. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm doing good, though. Uh, busy week. Um, actually, just before I, uh, I came here, I was working on some uh, costume stuff for Vs Villains. We're getting costumes underway, working on new pieces, blah, blah, blah. I've talked about it a, a dozen times in the last couple months. but uh, So that's uh, mostly what my week has uh, pertained to, that and exercising feverishly. I understand. Um, not recently, as I found out yesterday when I had an encounter with some giant big balls. Um, yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Um, if any of you have ever seen the, um, the, 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 uh, the obstacle course game show-esque type thing uh, called Wipeout, um, with the big red balls and the obstacles and the water and the, uh, the various pratfalls, um, they, um, they have basically a Wipeout-themed 5K that travels, and uh, me and Michelle did it on this last Saturday. Uh, we did not train properly for that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but yeah, no, nonetheless, it was a good time. Um, we we had our own various shares of wipeouts. Anybody who's uh, friends with either of us on uh, Facebook will be seeing video of that shortly. I wore a gro- uh, I wear a GoPro on my head, and so um, yeah, good times. So first off, coming out this week. Um, so on the twenty eighth, we got Blast Blue Chrono Phantasma Extend coming out on the Vita. King's Quest Episode One: Night to Remember is coming back. King's Quest of all things on uh, Windows, PS3, and PS4. On uh, that's on the 28th. Um, Legend of K HD on the PS4, Windows, and Wii U. Life is Strange Episode Four: Dark Room on Windows, PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, and Xbox One. Lost Dimension on the PS3 and the Vita. N Plus Plus getting a release on the PS4. The Swindle on the PS3, PS4, and PS Vita. And Galaside on the PC. Those are all on the 28th. On the 29th, uh, King's Quest Episode 1 is hitting the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One. And on the 30th, 
Angry Birds 2 is coming out on the iOS and Android because we, we've seen a- Angry Birds in like all sorts of iterations, but I don't think they ever came out with like an actual 2. So maybe Amazing. this is actually going to have some new mechanics. Between Angry it. Birds 1 and 2, like 15 releases. Yeah. <laughs> it's, almost like Assassin's, it's almost like Assassin's Creed 2 and 3. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, on iOS and Android. Um, also on the 30th, Xeno Drifter on the Wii U. Onikara Demon Killer on the PC. And then the Swindle is hitting Xbox One on the 31st. So it looks like um, probably King's Quest is the most notable thing coming out this week. It actually. is. Um, I'm, I'm not interested. I mean, I played King's Quest back in the day, yeah. but um, the, 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 the rebirth doesn't just look that interesting. Just doesn't do it right? for you? Yeah, no. no. I don't know. I, I will play pretty much anything. It's just an issue of time for me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's always mm-hmm. the, pro, the prohibitive time factor. How true. So, um, uh, Josh, Leo, uh, it, you know, normally uh, we now go into talking about uh, games we've played recently in your guys' cases. Since this is your first time here, you can just talk about anything that you've played um, in memory that uh, sticks out and you'd like to talk about. So, uh, Josh, what would you like to talk about? Well, I would like to talk about the most recent game that I've played, which would be Mario Kart 8. Nice. Excellent. Yep. I, For the most part, I haven't really been playing games because I've been so caught up making them <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah that i haven't i understand i haven't had the ability to uh focus on anything for fun i don't get to have fun anymore well we are adults and the fun definitely <laughs> does stop it i'm learning to that yeah. the juxtaposition everybody i know that works in the gaming industry is just like you know i remember this faint distant time when i actually used to play the games instead of making them and it's just gone it's just gone you know you can do one or the other can't do both yeah uh, so let's back up a little bit here. So, so tell us about Rocket Boat. Like, who, like, who are you, and what do you do? Well, Rocket Boat is a band. We're out of Northwest Indiana. Um, I play bass in Rocket Boat, and I also create our music videos, and I create our video game, which we'll be talking about. Yes, <laughs> which is why I'm here. And um, I don't know. Basically, it's uh, just a group of guys who like to write songs and play music and we're looking for ways to sort of expand upon what is expected of a band as you know i'm sure john can appreciate like in the modern the, age how does one uh how does one put themselves out there yeah stand out that's right yeah, yep. that's, that's right it's a hard thing to do so you have to think about all these extra methods of of just you getting know, people's attention. Yeah, just, uh, and yeah. Seeming and being interesting, not even seeming interesting, but actually being interesting. <laughs> and, and I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, you know, you guys were kindly enough to send Charlie and I, um, you know, a, a uh, an unfinished build of the game to play um, at least uh, the f- first section of it, the first level. That's correct. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, without spoiling anything, you guys, you know, kind of humorously sort of start the game saying that that's what the game that's how the game came about is how do you get yourself out there and kind of explain to people you know it's kind of cool it's neat definitely uh what what kind of music do you guys play how would you describe yourselves i know that's that's such that's such an unfair question like it's like i know the, the question i like to ask of bands is if you were to see yourself touring with like two or three other bands who would you want to tour with that would make make some sort of sense uh, that's actually more difficult i'd say <laughs> um well crap <laughs> you broke it charlie <laughs> We describe ourselves on our website as American Adventure Rock. <laughs> okay, cool. Which is rad. Yeah. It's a good description. Good. I like that. Yeah. So as far as what that is, um, 
That's just a clever title that has no meaning. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, show business. (laughs) But for what we actually sound like, I would say indie, alternative, just rock. Okay. We're very rock oriented, a a four piece group, uh, guitar, bass, drums, synth, vocals. Try to write short, shorter, catchier songs. It's very upbeat, from what I've heard. You know, it's got a, it moves a lot. You know, it's yeah. got a lot of, a lot of pace to it. Yeah, we don't have uh, very good attention spans. <laughs> that's just the, that's just the result of being a musician. I'm sorry, right. so yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, cool. Thanks yeah. very much. And uh, so, uh, Leo, uh, what is your contribution to this, uh, this little world of Rocket Boat? Uh, I'm the developer. I'm the guy that kind of is behind the scenes and uh, makes the art do things, jump around and. Stuff like that. Nice. How did you guys uh, get involved in the first place? Um, it's a very, actually, an interesting story. Um, we kind of met through kind of like a, an activist group, I guess you can say, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we kind of had a mutual friend who kind of recommended that we add each other. And fr- pretty much from then on, we kind of, we've had similar views. We have similar interests, um, I guess, similar goals and where we think our activism should go. So we kind of just hit it off from there. And I guess all of our conversations kind of, stemmed into there and then what like you said you were working on a game and i said uh i said hey i i can help you out with that and kind of went from there cool um well i've got a lot of questions i want to ask about the game but we'll save that for later for the feature um so uh so josh aside from uh mario kart is there anything else you've been playing recently that you've been enjoying no I don't, even I, even I, just I no enjoyment <laughs> probably i would imagine is there anything uh, you've been playing that you've been hating <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine you probably the default answer to the what have you been playing other than Mario Kart 8 question would be oh. Rocket Boat the game, Rocket Boat the game. over and yeah. over yeah. and over. Yeah, I yeah. I no longer like it at this point. I'm hoping <laughs> I, again. Uh, I'm hoping I'll like it again sometime, but right now uh, it's it's torturous. I have a dear friend that used to be a um, a playtester for uh, Midway before they closed their doors, and uh, she tested, uh, the last thing she tested for them before they let her go, and then shortly thereafter closed their doors, was Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. And she said that she loved it when she got it, but she was literally just a QA tester, you know, and she said that by the time the game shipped, she to this day, I, I saw her, like, I it was like two months ago for her birthday, said she still has not touched it and will not probably ever play it again for the rest of her life because uh, she just can't. She can't, you know. She said it makes her nauseous. Especially like right around the end time where you're trying to polish everything, playing the same part over and over again, making sure it's working. It's a lot like being in a band and having people ask you, do you listen to your own music? And you go, (laughs) I said, no, no, I can't. I not literally can't. Yeah, yeah. It's it, when it, it, I would imagine you have the same reaction to hearing your your own music after listening to it for so long as you do playtesting your own game, which is kind of like the reaction um, that that you see in Clockwork Orange after Alex has been conditioned and he loses his mind after you know any time that thing comes near him, he just goes crazy. Like that's that's probably what happens to everybody. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. I I didn't I didn't you know as a, I didn't do the mu- musician thing anywhere near as long as either of you guys have. I, I was even getting to that point back in Flame Theory, so I completely understand. <laughs> it um, doesn't take long, man. <laughs> no, no, it did not. Um, so, Leo, what have you been playing recently? Uh, yeah, I mean, like like Josh, I don't really have much time to play games, but I think the last thing I actually really played, I mean, sat down and played, was the Final Fantasy fifteen the demo, okay, that came yeah, out, yeah. which was pretty fun. I mean, you know, like I said, it's no. Uh, no Final Fantasy VI or seven, but there you go, man. But it was Are you good. speaking my language, dude? <laughs> <laughs> what, what what system did you play it on? 
Uh, I think it was on. Uh, where was it? Shoot, I don't remember. I was I think it was uh, Xbox One. Xbox One. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, and um, so, um, so aside from that, um, anything else? I mean, even just like mobile games. I mean, like any kind of games counts. Uh, I can't even. I mean, I like platform games, so okay. I kind of just throw on Mario. You know, one of the Mario World games or Mario RPG. Even I like platform and RPG games. Um, so good. Love that so game. I just like throw it up on my emulator on computer or yep, something. Yep. You right know. On. Awesome. Cool. John, you, sir, how have you been spending your week? I, uh, I played a mix of things this week. Didn't get, again, as has been for about the last two, three weeks, haven't had a lot of time to sit down and devote to any one thing. Still trying to get Riddler trophies. And you know what? I'm I sitting there doing it, and I, I literally allowed, said, yeah, fuck this, man. I'm not, gonna, <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just going to look at the fucking I noticed that YouTube you passed me in Gotham's uh, Most Wanted. I did, I did, I, I did. Because you've been doing the challenges. Yeah, I did. Those I'm going to finish because those are actually fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I can't do like the rote collection type stuff anymore. It just makes me crazy. Um, that, I played um, the Games with Gold So Many Me game, which I was not impressed with. It was... Simplistic. Felt like a PC flash game to me. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they got to be. I don't know. I mean, good for I them, know. but it, yeah. just, it just wasn't my, my yeah. cup of tea. Um, I played... Um, there. It was like a timed trial of the sort of early access. That's not what they call it on Xbox One, but uh, Elite Dangerous, hmm. um, which very promising. Uh, seems really cool. Space, like sim. Um really unique take on how to take a game that probably does work really well with a shitload of keys and cram it into a controller. They thought that through very well and designed it really well, so I appreciated that. Uh, I may pick that up when it actually sees release, not during early access. I won't do that anymore. Um, and then uh, just 3DS titles, man. Just playing, uh, I've been playing Ali Ali on my 3DS, uh, which is fun. Absolutely mindless and no challenge whatsoever, but it's fun. <laughs> Uh, and, and that was it for me. I really didn't have much time. Oh, I played Tremor, Mortal Kombat X. He, he came out this last week. I finally caught up and played Predator as well. Was not impressed with Predator. Liked Tremor. Um, I caught a little bit about, um, uh, about Tremor. I guess he was a, like a fan requested character. Is that right? Or yeah, I mean, people wanted him in there because they've put out all these games with like pretty much like every Mortal Kombat character in the, the Pantheon, but Tremor was... He wasn't actually a like a traditional fighter. They put him into uh, that Mortal Kombat um, Special Forces game, where it was like a third person oh. action game with like Sonya Blade and Jax, and he was just like a, a character they made for that game that they had to kind of go up against in the game. Hmm. And then you didn't see him again. And then when they took Mortal Kombat Nine and they put it on, I think it was it was a port of some sort. It may have been on the the Vita. Um, okay. They put him in as like an alternate skin. In that version of the game, just, but only oh, in that version of the game. Okay, and um, and then they decided to flesh him out to a full character. So he's pretty cool. So, I like so this is the first time he's ever been in like a proper, like a featured character. proper okay. character. And I think the only character in Mortal Kombat that was not ever actually a fighting character hmm. that you could manipulate as a, a fighting game character. So. I, I was watching a video on IGN of his uh, his uh, some of his fatalities and brutalities. <laughs> I like the one where he just like throws like a rock and it just knocks the character's head off, but then takes the place of the head. And so the, oh, yeah, the, the awesome. body is like, "What happened to my head?" No, and man, just, he's got some rock. cool stuff. They did a good job with him. Um, played that. I don't think I played anything else. I don't think I had time to play. Any- oh, I, I started playing The Witcher 2 because I'm way behind. Mm. And I'm not that impressed with it so far. So. No, really? Nope. Okay. No, Just not I'm, your cup of tea or um, like problems with I think, it? I think some of it is that the gaming world has kind of moved on and it feels really... Didn't uh, age well? It feels really... Um, 
clunky. Okay. Um, compare. I mean, especially after playing like Arkham Knight, where everything's really fluid, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna see it through because I, I get the feeling I will be rewarded for my patience. But so far, I'm I'm not that impressed with it. I don't I don't think I understand what everybody's so crazy about with that series. <laughs> it's kind of bland to me, actually. It just doesn't seem to have much personality. That's my problem with it. Gotcha. Um, uh, that was it. That's all I've had. What did you play this week? Uh, so I've been putting most of my time into Arkham Knight, um, but uh, I'll say briefly, I did try that uh, So Many Me game, uh, just like you said, just congrats guys for paying somebody off, apparently, to <laughs> <laughs> be the feature yeah. Xbox One game, because it's just not enough there. I mean, not at all enough there for me to be interested. I will never um, besmirch anybody's hard work on anything they develop, but uh, it just doesn't, it just wasn't that good of a game for me, personally. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree with that sentiment. Um and um, I, I meant to sit down and play um, the newest Game of Thrones because apparently like some, some shit happens in this one. And so um, I'm uh, very curious to see that. But I put the most of my time into Arkham Knight. Um, I have approximately 35 Riddler trophies left to collect. I don't know when I decided to do this. Um, yeah, because you just weren't going to do it. I wasn't. This is no, very, yep. very un-Charlie. Yep. Um, but uh, I, I, just, I, I think I just really decided, you know, it's, this is my last time. I didn't do all the Riddler trophies in the previous games or anything. I was like, this is, I mean, it's probably not really going to be the last time, but it's like, this is the last in the Arkham series and whatever. It's just like, I want to know what the Nightfall Protocol is. And I don't want to just YouTube it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I don't want to YouTube it either, out. but I'm, but I'm going to, which I don't ever do. How it's many like left usually do you have to get? Uh, I've only got like half of them. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you go out and you just hunt for, you know, the glowing green informant guys, you yeah. know, just, just do that for a while and, yeah. you know, cause then that gets you some experience and everything anyways. And then to the point where all of them are marked on the map, then it's just a matter of just going around and picking them yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, um, the only ones I have left to get are, um, in the, um, in the Arkham Knights, uh, headquarters, mm-hmm. um, in the, um, in the stag airships. And then mm-hmm. there's one that's not marked on my map, just out in the main, out in the main open world yeah. that, um, that I haven't located yet. And I, maybe that'll be like the last one that you're supposed to get. No, you have to find it. You, uh, yeah, they all have to, you have to, I mean, unless you just stumble across it. Right. If you don't find it or mark it on your map or find an informant that marks it on your map, right, right, right. you may never fucking find it. <laughs> that, that's that's awesome. my big problem is I I'm I probably have about 15 of them that aren't found or marked and I don't I don't want to look for them. <laughs> yeah, so um but anyways, um so yeah, um you know, aside from that one and so yeah, I'll just have to hunt around for an informant or I mean like I have you know, I will if if I put enough effort into something like last night, for example, um, there was there's a trophy that's marked on the map inside the um, in the in the in the Arkham Knights base, the part where the department store where you're having one of the you know the the, the later end battles. Um, there's one that's marked on the map, but it's off the map. Like it's way it's it's not it's not it does it's it's clearly not as part of the rest of the map. And so I'm assuming there's got to be some secret passage or somewhere. I looked for half an hour, and that mm. that is not a large space, you know. So yeah. I I looked everywhere and I could not find it. And so this morning I had to YouTube because I, I, I could not find where this stupid yeah. thing was. So I did. I, I will do things like that. Um, I have I have no problem doing that if if I you know if I put the effort into it and sometimes even not that's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there, so it's it's what it is is in the floor grate. There's like a path that there's absolutely no indication that it's there, <laughs> and so you just kind of have to stumble across it pretty much. Yeah, but then yeah. there's like a cave that like goes back into like a secret area. So, anyways, I digress. Um, so yeah, um, I expect that I will probably finish that maybe even tonight um, after we're done recording here. <laughs> right on. Um, but yeah, and then after that, I'm going to get to get back to Grand Theft Auto Five and finish that story. Um, awesome, because I want to know what happens there. 
Um, aside from that, that's uh, that's been it for me this last week. And so now that you know what we did this last week in video gaming, let's see what the industry did this last week in video gaming. <laughs> Okay, coming in at number five this week, China is going to start allowing game console sales across the entire country. So we've talked about this on the show a couple of times. China, China and Australia typically seem to have um, very prohibitive uh, sales policies in their countries in terms of not just what games can be sold, but game consoles at all sometimes. Um, China has, has historically not been bad about letting games um, into the country, just really, really selective about what they'll put out on shelves. Or sometimes, I mean, almost comedically, they've put they've allowed systems to come out of the country, and then won't like most of the games that come out for it, they won't put out. Or um, they'll let the games in the country for retail sale without the system uh, being available in that region. So um, they're going to be loosening it up a little bit. Uh, Chinese authorities have decided to allow the sale of video game consoles across the entire country, uh, which is uh, a report that came from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it enables full adoption of the ma- uh, machines for gamers uh, in the world's largest game market. Then it could be a significant boost for the entire games industry. I guess that's their sort of thought process beside, uh, behind opening it up. Is as we talked about it. I think it was in February or March that uh, China seems to to have this like nipping on the heels of uh, the rest of the world in terms of their their the size of their video game market, you know, huge online gaming market, you know, and, uh, like MMO gaming market, Starcraft style games and stuff like that, you know? Um, so after a 14 year ban, China had previously begun allowing the sale of game consoles, such as Microsoft's Xbox one and Sony's PlayStation four last year, but sales were restricted to Shanghai's economic development zone. Uh, Microsoft launched its Xbox in Shanghai in the fall and Sony waited until earlier this year to launch the PS four, but a lack of local game content and limited distribution led to poor sales. Um, I want to see, uh, since, since China already has this massive, um, burgeoning game market there without up until just a couple of years ago, allowing consoles in, I'm curious to see if pulling all of the restriction stops out is going to end up having them blow past everybody because they're, they're sitting right up there in terms of what they've taken in with everybody that's already contending in the market and now you let that happen, you know, without, I mean, that's been a restricted kind of thing up to this point. Like, do you think it's going to change the landscape? Do you think it's going to cause them to kind of blow past everybody or, or you know, maybe take some steam out of everybody else's, uh, you know, movement? Well, it's, I absolutely think that's what's, uh, that it's going to um, affect the market very, very, very positively. Um, just as kind of, a, of, of an analog comparison, um, when the uh, iPhone was finally made available for sale in China, um, just the sales of the iPhone in China basically have given Apple like its most profitable like last three quarters since this happened, like by leaps and bounds. I mean, yes, we're talking about the iPhone here, and there, there's a lot of you know brand stigma and everything attached to that. You know, just uh, just that whole, you know, oh, it's the iPhone, you know, whatever you want to call that. But um, you know, with the same thing, I, I, it's, it seems like that whenever you have a situation when you've got such a gigantic market like China, and um, when you say no, you can't have it. No, you can't have. No, you can't. You can't have it. You can't have it. It's 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 you know human. It, it seems to be human uh, nature to want what you can't have. And then so finally, <laughs> if you finally say, okay, you can have it now, everybody's going to go out and get it. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, and uh, it's, it's, you know, especially if you don't have the problem with them limiting games. 
or at least I'm sure that they still will to a point. I mean, no offense, but this is China we're talking about here. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, I, I I think that it's going to has potential to send sales like through the roof. Personally, right on. just just based on similar past um, scenarios. What do you guys think? I think that well, I mean, this this move was inevitable. Yeah. I mean, you can't. You can't really censor anything forever, especially in the digital age. Like, you know, China is trying, they're still continuing to try to censor, you know, the internet and all these various things or limit distribution. But ultimately, that's not going to be sustainable, that, that they won't be able to keep doing that. Yep. Um, what I find, what I found interesting in that story was the fact that they did allow sales in a small percentage of the country, like in their economic development zone, they're probably testing the waters. I would imagine. So, so what did it for for sales or seeing how it's uh, you know corrupting their culture? Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. so here's the test: we'll let some Xboxes in, and then if that part of the country just burns itself down, we know not to let any more in. <laughs> that's that's exactly what Microsoft needs right now. I'm just curious to see if, given that that these two. These two companies don't really have a foothold one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Curious to see who's going to kind of end up taking the, the lead there. Because if you look at a place like like Japan, where the PlayStation 4 is native to, it, uh, there are all sorts of jokes about how bad the Xbox One sells in Japan. Like, nobody buys it. Nobody fucking buys it in Japan. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if in a market that doesn't really have a leader, um, neither of which are native to that market, like who's going to end up... Who's going to end up kind of taking the lead on that? I guess it'll sort of depend on the games that are available, right? Um, and how much those games interest their their you know though though you know their their customers. Um, yeah. You know, like so much of like what's on the PlayStation is you find like anime related games, like stuff from Atlas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, like, and that's that's just sort of you know the the, the the kind of content that gravitates that way. And then on the Microsoft side of things, it's you know it seems to be more more generic, more universal. I guess you could say maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it. You see, I, I don't really know like if um, if China like if they what what they'd be more interested in like the more like. Gears of War, Halo, gruff, you know, like, you know, military guys, or yeah. like if they have like a lot of the, um, if they share a lot of the same interests as like as Japan. I know China, and Japan, you know, they're close to each other, but they have vastly different interests. It seems like, and so, uh, yeah, I think it'll just depend on that and what know, what we, their what their gamers gravitate to. Yeah, I would imagine so. I guess, and we're which find console out is cheaper? Way. I suppose that could be yeah, a big thing because one true. of the reasons consoles have a, have a such hard time in Australia too is the ridiculous amount of taxes. Mm-hmm. everything that they impose on them. I don't know if this was part of the article. I didn't catch it if you said it, but they said they're going to let them in. They didn't say what they're going to tax them. They did not <laughs> talk know? about... So they could tax these things to high No heaven. price points and no uh, no tax information, yeah, so at least as of now. Those are some giant variables. Yeah. Um, but yeah. We'll Do you see. have any thoughts on this, Leo? No, pretty much just what Josh said. I mean, I, I don't re- I'm not too familiar with the detail of the situation, um, but yeah, I mean, digital age, you can't really hide everything. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> inevitable that people are going to get well, it. Well, and for a, a country like China who's you know their general you know market is constantly growing you know they're they're financially huge that country i would imagine that the allure of of the money that could be made Mm -hmm. on that industry that they're not capitalizing on yet probably just too much to pass up you know what i mean should be interesting to see what comes out it's a pretty new development so i'm sure we'll have some more stuff to talk about with that coming up here shortly i'm gonna go ahead and move on to number four for the week um Capcom started up Street Fighter V's beta 
this last week, as was promised to uh, Street Fighter fans. Did not go very well. Um, on the 23rd, they uh, they launched the beta and uh, at 6 p.m., and within half an hour, it was down. Uh, they had to take it down. Fast. Yeah. Um, people were waiting uh, upwards of 30 minutes to find a match and getting disconnected in the middle of the matches, not being able to get connected at all. Um, and initially, it seemed like they were going to put, uh, put servers back up pretty quick. Uh, they, they put out a statement saying that they were taking it down for extended maintenance um, pretty severe connectivity issues that persisted throughout. And I mean, even as, as, as early as yesterday, it's kind of been up and down sporadically. Um, and, and it seems like they're, they're going to probably just take it down and keep it down until they can either get it working properly or, um, just not put it back up at all, which has got a lot of people in the fighting game community a little pissed off because <laughs> they were promised the beta for this game. Um, they did issue a statement saying, We apologize for the ongoing issues that users have been experiencing with the Street Fighter V beta test. In order to allow us to fix the issues as quickly as possible, we are going to initiate a period of extended maintenance, during which time the beta will be unavailable to all users. We will let you know the date on which the closed beta test will reopen once all problems have been fixed. We sincerely apologize for having to bring this unfortunate news to you. Thank you for your patience, and stay tuned for further updates. Um, they... Initially said they weren't going to put it back up. Then they said they were. Then they said they weren't. And now they're saying that they're going to officially put it back up. They're just going to basically re-announce another start date for the beta. Um, I thought it was kind of pertinent to include this considering you guys are in the process of, of you know testing your own game right now. A lot of people um, who play games or don't know anything about how the development of games work sometimes can be a little bit un. Uh, it's impatient with the process if they don't understand why something doesn't work correctly. And I'm sure this is something that you guys could probably speak about how frustrating it can be to, to, to want something to work a certain way and it not work the way you thought it would or constantly having to go back and correct that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's good that we uh, we wait, you know. I'm surprised Capcom, you know, a large gaming company like that, it was... Uh, I don't know, it almost seems... It's surprising that their QA wasn't enough to to catch a giant game-breaking bug, really. That's the thing that's confusing me the most. They've done this before. Yeah, yeah, Why yeah. is this different? It's not... Uh, I mean, I, a lot of people speculate where they're like, was it server capacity? Where did they get more people than they thought they were going to get? And that doesn't seem to be the issue. But it's a closed beta. They should have known exactly how many people that's they were going I'm to saying. get. <laughs> but it, that's the point that everyone's trying to make is, is that they had solid numbers under their belt to work with. And it, they're saying it was just like the poor server handling. You know, their servers are not properly set up or maintained to handle whatever it is they were trying to push through. So uh, kind of unfortunate. You know, especially as Josh has said, you don't expect to see that from a AAA developer like Capcom. But it's starting to happen more that, and more. That has literally done this exact same thing before. Numerous. That's, <laughs> uh, their company is partially predicated on this concept of a Street Fighter game every console generation or every handful of years, you know? So I got to wonder if there was some guy in the boardroom who said, like, hey, I have an, I have an idea. Let's... let's you know, I, there are these little tiny things we don't like about our current online solution, so let's make a whole brand new one. And, <laughs> I mean, that, that's that got to be it, right? I mean, because it's like they, they've never had this kind of problem before. And 
I, as far as I know, well, I actually I have no idea if this is correct or not. But have they done betas for their other fighting games recently? I don't feel like they have. No, the thing is, is that they've. I mean, they've tested other games and fighting games, obviously publicly, you know, in the past. But sure. Street Fighter is typically not part of that. I think that's why people are so excited for this test because normally what they do, the 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 general idea behind it was is in the previous gaming uh, console cycle, if you wanted to specifically on on you know, the Xbox 360, if you wanted to put content up, a lot of people complained that once you put a game up, if you wanted to add DLC or add content to the games, you had to pay an additional, a very hefty additional cost in order to add features to your existing game. So a lot of people opted not to do that, which is why you saw, um, you know, a, a lot more people just doing like one character at a time downloads because if you put in content that was above a certain size it was it fell into that bracket of having to be recertified then you had to pay this exorbitant cost again so the reason you didn't see a lot of that during like street fighter 4 and they would just put out like the um the next version of it like you know super street fighter 4 where they'd put in five or you know two or three six characters five or six characters because they didn't it was just enough that they would have had to recertify the game entirely just to add characters to the the build you know, and so they weren't beta testing the games before because it would have cost them a lot of money to do that, you know, this way, letting people outside, you know, Capcom test it. So people were excited for this because they thought it was going to be the first instance and where they could do that and get feedback and then put all of the characters in the game without having to do well, a bunch of... You would think yeah. that they would they would develop this and they'd release the beta with headroom built in. Like, mm-hmm. not even, like, it shouldn't even be an option that yeah. it would fail. Like, they should anticipate you know too many users like yeah, that's like the yeah. worst thing that could happen like they have you have to prepare for the worst when you're doing something like yeah. that yeah I, I i'm i'm the more i think about it the more we talk about it the more i think my theory is right i think that that's for some reason you know they might have had very good reasons but I, for, for some reason they decided to come up with a whole new infrastructure uh, infrastructure for, for yeah. their online because and then that's why they needed to do a beta because it's a whole new thing and it sounds like it's a very good thing that they did a beta. Well, fighting in community pretty hotly debates, you know, quality of servers, speed of servers versus a game's net code, you know, online. Because in fighting games, that, that half a second difference, you know, in the way that your net code is built can, can mean a couple of frames of the animation, which, you know, just doesn't translate well online. Like Killer Instinct is widely regarded as being a brilliantly coded game for online play, you know, whereas something like Mortal Kombat's kind of, eh, you know, and it's getting better and they're patching it in. But uh, I think the idea is they want this to be like right out of the gate. They want it to be widely regarded as being a game that has, you know, really solid net code. Now, on the other hand, for those of you who are um, extremely um, upset about this, this development's um, keep in mind, this is what betas are for. <laughs> betas are specifically so they can test out the things and so the game can break so that they can fix it so that it works properly when it comes out. A lot of people don't quite get that meaning of the word beta. Like co- Companies like Google, for example, is a big one. I mean, they've, they've kind of spoiled people with what beta means. I mean, Gmail was in beta for like a decade before. <laughs> like, no joke. It was, it was in beta for, for forever and, and yeah. it worked perfectly fine. And then like when they finally took the beta tag out, they were like, Everyone was like, oh, it was still in beta? Like, it was because it was so <laughs> solid. And so a lot of people are like, a lot of people just think beta just means early access. No, no, no. Beta means it's broken. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost expected to break. So let's break it so that you guys can help us break it and then we can fix it later. Or, so. or incomplete. That's, that, that's true, too. That's, and true that, too. that's sort of what our the beta we gave you guys was. Okay, okay. Um, we wanted to give you a more updated one. 
but you know that's part of the development process nature of the beast is all over yeah (laughs) things breaking i fix something and then something else breaks yeah that's exactly it yeah so the world of software yeah that's it man so um big ruddy mess yes so 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 when you guys are going out there and and you're getting into these betas um when they don't work it's kind of a good thing that they didn't work because they found out that it didn't work, so then they can fix it and make it work later. I so. think in the instance of a game like this, the only downside to it is um, they can't really they can't really collect any information on how the game itself plays if you can't play the actual game, though. That's true. So that's tough, man. I hope they get this stuff straightened out pretty soon because I'm a big fighting game guy, as everybody knows that listens to the show, and I would really like to try it out. I know uh, our uh, sometimes B, uh, B-Squad co-host, Mr. Brian Lesser, um, has... has Got just a little smidge of hands hands on time with it when he could connect and get into it. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll be talking about that with him shortly. Um, next, next week, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, next week. Um, so, uh, director and producer for uh, Capcom and uh, Street Fighter Five, Yoshinori Ono, uh, put out a uh, a statement himself, separate from Capcom, saying, "I'm very apologetic towards players. I'm sorry that I don't have enough ability about Street Fighter Five Beta. Please give me chance for rescheduling Street Fighter Five Beta." Um, you know, I'm sure they'll get it straightened out soon. Just, you know, just remember, they don't owe you anything if you can't get into the beta. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen so many people flaming Capcom on, fucking Capcom in there. I'm like, you didn't pay anything for this. Yeah, you know? exactly. People get crazy, man. All right. I'm going to go ahead and move on to number three then. Um, despite the fact that Silent Hills has been canceled and Hideo Kojima is no longer working with Konami after the release of... Uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: Phantom Pain. Um, word on the street is is he's going to, once he leaves, he's going to collaborate with Guillermo del Toro anyways. They're still going to do something. Some people are speculating they're going to take a lot of the ideas and things that they were working on in uh, Silent Hills and just take their ball and go play somewhere else together. This this makes me very happy. And it'll be called Quiet Mountains. There you go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I'm pretty sure that... Uh, Konami's legal team will parachute into their living rooms and uh, knock their teeth out of their Presuming head. Presuming the company <laughs> is not a business. <laughs> That's true. We'll see. Um, Guillermo del Toro did say, we talked about this on the show, he did say that he was probably not ever going to venture into video gaming again after uh, this happened a couple months back. It's the second time he's tried to put out a game and work in conjunction and collaboration with a major studio or somebody involved with a major studio, and it has just gotten doors slammed in his face. Um, so, um, a couple months back, originally, when he talked to IGN about the issue, uh, Guillermo del Toro said that he and Kojima are still in touch and are still into doing something together, although it won't be Silent Hills. Um, he also said that the game was, uh, that they're working on is in the planning stages, uh, or, I'm sorry, the game they were working on, which was PTE slash Silent Hills, uh, was in the planning stages when it was canceled. Um, and, and that was, I think the heaviest blow for them was, is that they were, they were beyond the beginning stages of development, you know, past just doing concept art and level design for it. They had uh, a working build of the game and just like that lights out, you know, they get the, the plug pulled on them. Um, when we talked about it on the show a couple months ago, I think the quote that, uh, Del Toro used was that Konami, uh, took a scorched earth approach to their handling of the series and Hideo Kojima and the partnership there and just wiped the slate completely clean. Um, everybody was pretty bummed out when they, they heard Silent Hills was canceled. So I think, uh, I think maybe we might actually get, at least in spirit, whatever it was they were going to be doing together. We might see that in another form coming up. 
Um, Good. What do you, what I mean? With somebody like Hideo Kojima and somebody like Guillermo del Toro, who are both very visual people in slightly different ways, um, as much as I still want a horror game from them, I wouldn't mind seeing something else. You know, something action adventure. I mean, Guillermo del Toro does a lot of horror stuff, but he also did, you know, like Hellboy. You know, Pacific are, Rim. Yeah. Pacific. Yeah. Fucking That's Rim. I saying. curse very infrequently on this show, and that movie is so good. It gets. I, I love me. I love that movie, but I have a so good. I have a thing with big robots, though. So yep, I am yep. weak. My my constitution is weak when it comes to big fucking robots. So, you know, being a child of the eighties and nineties, that's to we be expected. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what kind of what kind of game would you like to see these two produce if it do, if it ends up not being um, a horror game? What do you think that those two minds would be suited to doing together? Uh, Aside from Pacific Rim, the game. But <laughs> I'm no. Hang on. It's perfect because. Hideo Kojima. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. <laughs> perfect. Actually, that is kind of not bad at all. <laughs> um, so that, that's my answer. I have no better one. Yeah, I'd like to look at it um, from a different angle, more from the industry and the fact that this is sort of happening. You have to wonder why these developers are are sort of being pushed away from these major studios because you have this the same thing sort of happened you know, a few years ago with Capcom and... Uh, uh, was Inafune? Uh, who's it? Uh, KG Inafune. Yeah, 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 yeah. The creator of um, Mega Man. You know, and they have the Mighty Number no. Nine thing, which is the spirit of Mega Man. Yep. So and that damn thing's gonna sell. Like, yeah, like yeah, people yeah, are excited exactly. for that yep. game. But you have yeah. to wonder why he wasn't able to do that through Capcom. You know, why he was, felt uncomfortable, or why he felt he had to go independent, and why Capcom sort of what I mean. The Mega Man franchise was is in the bag you know they can continue to yeah. release anything with yeah. it and they could you know profit off it yep but there's, I, there seems to be this middling trend though with some of the older like game studios like capcom and and sega did it mega man is largely in a similar place not nearly as bad but in a largely similar place that sonic is in right now where these companies have these like great mascots that people love but the companies are, they've become out of touch and they don't know what to do with them anymore. Cat, Mega Man, like everybody loves Mega Man, but with the exception of the sort of nostalgic uh, releases that they did for, I think it was like, what was it, Mega Man like 8 and 9 they did mm-hmm. on the 360 and PS3, where they were the original games, just flat out 8 bit graphics. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of hell. those two games. <laughs> Mega Man has largely not been Mega Man in a long time. Like, every, there's like a zillion fucking versions of Battle Network and all these other things, but they don't really feel like Mega Man. They don't really look like Mega Man. And so they did the same thing to Sonic. Look at look what they've done with Sonic. We'll put a little bandana around his neck. And Sonic, boom. You know? <laughs> I, like you know the, they just, I like the X series. Yeah. I the X series is fantastic. Yeah. To me, that was. That was kind of where Mega Man died, you know. Mm. And then the Mega Man Legends games had a little bit of Mega Man in it, you know mm. what I mean? Like it felt a little bit like Mega Man, but yeah, Mega Man X were, were good spiritual successors. I agree, but so, I think some of it is that they mired Mega Man under. He created Mega Man, but he doesn't own Mega Man, right? And so I do think you, they so weren't think letting the, him do his thing. The game, um, the game direction, or where to take the franchise? The franchise direction was more made in a boardroom and less of. I think that's it. Him I think having say absolutely what to do with that. it for sure, and I think that Mighty Number no. Nine to me, you know, not knowing what the the real scoop on it is, to me, it feels like a guy 
who's probably for years just wanted to make the sequel to his game that he wanted to make, and it was mired under politics and bureaucracy and um, a lot of... Uh, another case of too many cooks in the kitchen making something very simple really complicated and him going, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go over here and do it. I'll just do this instead. So you if know? you could do that at a, in a smaller studio as in sort of an independent studio, what does the future hold for for larger game studios then at that point? I think that question has a lot of similarities to like what's happening with the music industry. I mean, like the barriers are being dropped so much from creative people being able to put out great content and having every outlet in the world to do it. You know, it's, it costs 50 bucks now to have like your album on Spotify and Apple you know, and iTunes and Google play and like everywhere else. I mean, that's nothing. And so mm-hmm. it's with, with that decentralization also of video games and just, you know, again, it's, it's John, it's almost like you picked out these stories intentionally for our guest host this week. <laughs> there, there, there is a slight theme. Yeah. I felt, I felt it relevant. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's uh, same kind of thing with you guys. It's like, you know, when you have creative people, being able to more easily get their product to the masses what do we need these big companies for anymore well i mean the only the only counter to that that i can offer is is the only difference to me that, and it's a pretty big difference between the music industry and the video game industry in this analogy you're using is that it's hard to take a game like mighty number no. 9 and put it alongside something like i'll just since it's you know relevant and fairly recent i'll say arkham knight or even uh, Witcher sure. 3 or Grand Theft Auto 5. They're video games, both interactive experiences. They're both, by my estimation, moving pieces of art. But um, you can't, they're not terribly comparable in terms of the amount of work that would go into the two of them. And the complexity you and know? the depth and yeah, of the game. The question you asked to answer that question, I think that's the difference is... I think a lot of guys probably have these great, brilliant ideas at the AAA studios and probably don't necessarily want to work at the AAA studios and would love to strike out on their own. But I think some of those guys also might realize that they neither have the budget nor do they have the manpower to take that idea and do it themselves. And maybe in the next 10 years, that'll be different. There's so many more people doing exactly what you guys are doing and we'll be talking about at the end of news here who are you're making your own game you know i mean fuck five years ago that was hard to fathom for anybody i think a lot of that has to do with just the availability of technology and mm-hmm. being able to communicate through long distances without the need to have a vertically integrated structure of you know a corporate system for example where you need a lot of capital and a lot of people working on the same thing whereas yeah you can if you have you know the available technology the available tools like you know some of the gaming tools that are out there now that are pretty much free and pretty much anybody can go and make a game yep. now you know yep. Yep. well the first thing i noticed when i fired up your game is that unity engine yep, logo. Yep, the yep. unity man it's it's the the people's champion these days and <laughs> yep. for a good cause you know it's been uh i guess quoted or or kind of explained as like one of the best game engines this side of a million dollars and i totally agree <laughs> okay. it, 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 being able to platform to anything pretty much is that's where it's at. Yep. One of our, our uh, good friends and sometimes co-hosts on this show, uh, Ricky Keller, he's, uh, he's a software engineer and programmer, and uh, he's done some work on games for, for Microsoft and a couple of other companies and currently works uh, as a mobile app developer. And um, I was at one point looking into getting into coding and, and writing software, and he told me, say, hey, man, you know, if you want to work on a, you know, like with a, an open source game engine, Unity. Get Unity, get Unity, and he just—that was the first time I think it was on my radar, and this was a while ago too. And it's just funny since I had that conversation with him. I just—you see it everywhere. Maybe mm-hmm, you didn't completely. notice it before, Do but it, it's man. in the independent game development 
world, it is, you know, I can tell that it is a we, loved tool. Leo and I both discovered Unity separately. And it was only when, when we met, we, were, we found out that, like, oh, you, you work with Unity too? Like, perfect. Like, <laughs> How convenient. Great. Yeah. And, <laughs> and awesome. going back to what you're saying about sort of the barriers and the technology, we, um, Leo and I, we, we developed most of this game via Facebook chat. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've, this is like, what, like maybe our third time yeah. meeting in person? Yeah. yeah everything is pretty much been entirely yeah. virtual. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So, eerily, eerily similar to how uh, Gamerhead Radio runs their show. <laughs> it's we do it through hangouts. That's true. That's true. Low overhead. That's funny, man. Yep. That's it. Yep. Low overhead, indeed. <laughs> yep. Um, well, you know, I, I getting back to the original uh, topic uh, and, and point of it, Hideo Kojima and um, you know Guillermo del Toro. These are two guys who kind of are the exception to the rule that I just mentioned about not having the money or the manpower. I have a feeling that anybody that works with Hideo Kojima based on his reputation alone would follow that guy into the mouth of hell. And uh, Guillermo del Toro's got like such mad nerd cred, man, geek and nerd cred. You know, I can't imagine that that between the two of them, they wouldn't be able to fund some sort of super project on their own. Oh, completely. You know, and well, and then of course, I mean, they might as well do a crowdsourcing campaign with it as well. I yeah. would think. Oh my god. And I'm sure they would. After uh, the game that I can't say properly, um, but everybody should know what I'm talking about. You'll have to correct me for them. We've got this long running gag on the show. Um, after the John is referring to Shenmue. Yes. Yeah. The, oh, yes. There's there's a, there's a joke yes. in this. So I'm going to say this wrong uh, on purpose. I hope you're listening, Ryan. Um, after the massive su- success of the Shenmue three. Uh, Kickstarter. I can't imagine that if they didn't crowdsource this, that it wouldn't be explosive and huge. And I hope they do something like that. It would. It would really kind of, you know, up your butt, Konami. You know, if they did it. So, time's gonna tell on that. We'll see. Hopefully, it turns out to be exactly the dream project that we thought. And the more I think about it, Charlie, they should just make a Pacific Rim game. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they should. All right. Gonna go ahead and move on to number two this week. Um, kind of. Kind of unfortunate story. We talked a couple weeks ago about uh, how Daybreak Game Studios uh, were were attacked by, uh, you know, hacking activist group uh, Lizard Squad uh, and did some really, really shitty and unsavory things to the CEO of that company, John Smedley, including uh, violating his father's grave and sending pictures of it to them, to him. Wow. Um, He was hell-bent on, you know, to to refresh people on the story, hell-bent on... Finding people involved with this and trying to trying to prosecute them, basically. I guess they caused enough trouble for him and the company and studios that he's worked for between SOE and Daybreak Game Company. He's really pissed, and rightly so. Um, so when we talked about it, uh, he seemed like he was just raring up for, you know, just, just winding up for a big fight and a lot of pushback to that sort of thing. Well, he announced this last week that he's actually going to be stepping down as the president and CEO of Daybreak Game Company. Um, the cause for Smedley's decision is currently unknown. He's not sharing that with anybody. He's keeping it to himself, at least for now. I, I envision in my mind that I hope that it's like, I can't hunt these people down from here. <laughs> I have to step down and go hunt them down. I just have this like vision in my head of him like gearing up like Rambo style and going and finding all these you know kids and kicking their asses. <laughs> and then resuming his, his post at the, the head of the company. But... Uh, 
for now, he's kind of pay, playing it close to the chest and uh, says that he's not going to discuss it par- uh, publicly. He uh, he did say that it's going to be uh, a bit of a hi- hiatus. He didn't say he's going to be gone forever, but I think he's maybe taking a break from the gaming lay industry. Low for a little yeah, while. man. Maybe just let some of the heat roll off of him. Um, he does plan on returning to the company, but he said he wants it to be in a different position. I don't think he wants to be responsible for it anymore. Um so uh, a quote was put out on the issue. I can confirm that John Smedley will be taking some time off from the company for the near uh, near term and transitioning to a different role to be determined. Um, and this was a, a statement made by a representative from Daybreak, no name given. Upon finalization of his plans, further communication will be provided. Um, they're, they're indicating that nothing happened uh, aside from uh, already reported events to, to push him to step down. Um, do... Do you think that there are maybe more serious problems that are going to spring out of somebody doing something like this in the face of this kind of stress? I think it's definitely possible. Doesn't it doesn't it kind of give the people who are doing things like this kind of a maybe a free pass? Like it's another example of all right, you win. So just Yes, keep doing whatever it is you do. Well, the it's you know this is uh, the unfortunate nature about um, you know the way of the way that the internet is when it comes to anonymity and hackers and things like this is that when you when you are anonymous and you can do these things against people without you know it, making it so hard to be traced back to you and everything then it, it takes away it takes away that sense of resp- you know it takes away the responsibility and the repercussions and just everything that's along with it i mean like when all you have to do is you know get a hold of the like the low orbital ion cannon program from uh you know from uh, you know anonymous whoever it was that makes that and just ddos a site just by clicking a button i mean you know it's it sucks it, it sucks a whole lot you know and then especially you know and, and that, that that's on the super low end of this and when you when you get to you know people who will go after somebody like this in such a inappropriate and inexcusable way and pretty much nothing is going to happen here it sounds like i mean you know, and this guy is just basically just going to say you win i'm walking away or whatever it is it's yeah. it's, it's no good man it's no good and if you guys aren't familiar with this story um you know just a few weeks back uh, the the person who claimed responsibility for you know taking down this game's servers you know and and just crashing everything they have and right down to their website um this kid was uh i believe it was from norway he was convicted of 50,000 different cyber crimes and he got a suspended two-year sentence. He's not going to serve any jail time. And, you know, like, he's also... No fines, no community service. Called in a bomb nothing. threat that got John Smedley's plane grounded. Um, he swatted a ton of people. I mean, things that really have serious, serious implications and consequences and he's not going to see uh, an ounce of jail time, you know? So did he... I mean, what were or what are or were his justifications for this? People <laughs> need to spend less time uh, on video game systems and go outside. Oh, okay. So yeah. he's sort of crusade, a moral crusader, basically. He he is. I'm sure he sees himself as such. Yes. Yeah. And as as we joked when we talked about this story a few weeks back, I'm sure that he was doing exactly that. Um, you know, hacking hacking all this stuff uh, on a park bench outside. You know, as opposed to being inside doing the exact same thing, just not uh-huh. playing a game. Uh, so it seems a little lopsided. He's 17 years old, man. He's a, he's a kid. And I can and imagine that his... Yeah, clearly, you know. Uh, I guess that's the difference between a, a 17-year-old today and a 17-year-old 
10 years ago or 15 years ago is, uh, <laughs> you know, they didn't take down game companies or uh, bomb threat planes out of the sky and, and just get off light with it. So um, that's unfortunate, man, that John Smedley's got to step down. I, I've championed that guy's cause. He's done some really cool shit for, for online gaming, and I played a lot of his games back uh, when they were a little more relevant. Um, and uh, dude was always like a, a like a big community guy. He was always addressing the players for their games and uh, without a bunch of like walls between him and the players. He was always very direct about engaging people and talking about the games and very enthusiastic. So it's kind of a bummer to hear that somebody sounds like exhausted him out of his position, you know. Um, glad to hear he'll be back, but uh, really kind of a bummer to hear that this kind of stuff not only happens, but is now forcing people out of their jobs, you know, whether they're exhausted or <laughs> it's on the teetering edge of mental, mental breakdown because of shit like this. It's, it's crummy, man. I hope, I hope this stuff, I hope this stuff goes away soon, even though I'm not naive enough to think it's going to. You have to wonder if it's just a, just a seeking attention. I mean, is that what it is? Or Maybe. does he genuinely feel inspired that he is doing he's making the world a better place it's not just him he's one of this you know anonymous group of hackers called lizard squad and he supposedly there is a ton of them you know that numbering in triple digits is what people say you know but um he's the only one that was i guess dumb enough to just post a video on the internet saying i did this (laughs) they probably just needed more hugs i think i think everybody needs more more hugs hugs. that's 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 always the answer to everything yeah could be you know, but uh, regardless of whether you're taking servers down or being funny about it or whatever it is you're trying to do to prove a point, don't don't fuck with somebody's dead father's grave, man. That's gnarly. That's that's yep. not cool. Yep. Nope. Not cool, Jesus. Yep. Not cool. All right, uh, moving on to number one this week. Uh, this is a little bit of a different thing. Um, for, for the number one story this week, normally. When I'm uh, putting stories together for everybody to listen to, I will cite as many sources as humanly possible and usually truncate that into something that I read on the show. Um, This is something that I'm going to read directly um, and immediately uh, credit this to VentureBeat. VentureBeat did uh, an article that was virtually ignored um, this week. You didn't really see much attention. Uh, Nobody else was covering it, you know, and I, I, I mean, I... I, I troll the deepest, darkest uh, corners <laughs> of the internet to make sure I bring you guys interesting things to talk about on the show. Uh, and this was nowhere else to be seen, and I thought this was kind of a cool thing and a topic I've never really heard discussed uh, in gaming that I could recall recently. Um, a, former, uh, a former U.S. Army captain um, who saw wartime in Afghanistan and uh, Iraq has come back to the States and... Uh, kind of told a story about how bad his experiences were overseas and how how much video games are helping him cope with that now. Um, this guy has done something really cool, and he started up a, um, a project where he is working with people to fund and donate and crowdsource uh, video games, you know, handheld video games of any sort, whatever it is that he can send them to ship over to the Marines and Army people that are still overseas in the desert. To, to give them something to do to relieve their stress. Um, so bear with me on this. It's a little bit lengthy. I'm just going to shoot straight through this as fast as I can to kind of give you an idea of what this guy's doing. Um, so ori- again, originally the article comes from VentureBeat. So when Captain Stephen Machuga left the U.S. Army, he had a hard time readjusting to civilian life. Trash Day in particular was hell. 
There's trash everywhere in Iraq, Machuga told me over a Skype chat last weekend. And by me, they're talking about the art, uh, the, the gentleman who wrote the article for Venture Beat, whose name is not attached to this article, which is odd. Um, otherwise, I would gladly, gladly give this fellow credit. Um, on the sides of the road, piles and piles of trash everywhere. It's a popular place for insurgents to bury wired IEDs. So whenever Machuga saw trash at the side of the street, even back home, an alarm in his brain would go nuts, telling him to watch out. He knew it was irrational, but his awareness didn't help. It took a video game to help Machuga cope with being back in the United States. Just three weeks after he left the army, World of Warcraft released, and Machuga dived deep, a little too deep. It later turned out into its multiplayer fantasy world. Ten years on, Machuga's now using the power of video games to help soldiers and war veterans. His charity, Operation Supply Drop, which you can look up online, it's very easy to find, Sends gaming packages to troops on the front lines, those recovering in military hospitals and the guys whose military machine, who the military machine has spat back into the world that has moved on without them. And with 22 United States veterans committing suicide every day, god damn, that's depressing, Operation Supply Drops works, work with vets, helping them to cope with civilian life and form self-supporting communities is quickly becoming its most, most important role. So... What they're doing is Operation Supply Drop. Uh, they talk about it here. Machuga was always into video games, and he says, whether I was working in McDonald's or sitting in the middle of Baghdad on my birthday, whenever I'd, got, uh, whenever I'd get done, gaming would be there. He took his Nintendo DS with him to Iraq and played it during the lengthy downtime that active troops have every evening time. And there's often not, so, uh, not much more than old ping pong table around to distract you from reality otherwise. Uh, Machuga's first gaming supply drop was actually for himself. He nearly died in a mortar strike, and the next day he jumped online and ordered a beast of a gaming laptop, saying, Might as well, you know. He said, You gotta live for the moment. Uh, that just changed my experience over there. The last six months of my tour went really quick after that. Um, and he says games have always been a big part of his life. Um, a few years back into civilian life, uh, after a lot of floundering, he says, Machuga heard from his old driver, Jeff, who'd, posted, uh, who'd been posted to Afghanistan. Jeff knew that Machuga had started writing for a website called Sarcastic Gamer, which was at one time a very popular Chicago-based podcast, uh, now defunct, unfortunately, that went on to spawn the gaming charity Extra Life, which still exists. Um, he reached out and said, hey, do you think you can get my guys and I some, some video games? We've nothing to do over here. Machuga flicked through the, his Rolodex and reached out to see if any gaming companies would help. He got a response from Dan Amrich, the community manager at Activision, who sent him out a ton of Guitar Hero and DJ Hero kits. Machuga managed to ship some of these to Afghanistan, and they were a huge hit. Uh, Jeff sent back pictures of them having DJ Hero competitions using a briefing projector on the side of the trailer. That's awesome, that's awesome man. <laughs> it made him realize that game companies do have stuff lying around that they're happy to give to the troops, and Operation Supply Drop was born. Dan's initial donation definitely gave me the courage to ask other development and, uh, developers and publishers, said Machuga. It took a little bit of movement. I didn't always hear back, but they were always definitely developers who came forward and went, we love this, we want to get involved, and we want to help the troops. And then uh, the donation that started it all. I reached out to Dan Amrich, now the community developer at Ubisoft, and asked why he'd responded so generously to Machuga's initial request all those years ago. He says, when Steven approached me, it was with a very personal, direct introduction, said Amrich. When he told me that he was trying, what he was trying to achieve, I simply put myself in the position of the soldiers on the front lines. It's something I can't imagine going through. I've never served in the military. My grandfather served in World War I, and I never met him. I get upset being away from my wife for a weekend, so the reality of being miles from everything and everyone familiar for years is something I can barely fathom. 
Hearing that the games would go directly to the troops stationed in hot zones made a big impression on me. Giving people an experience fundamentally meant more to me than just donating a raffle prize. I hope that having a Guitar Hero night might give them a little more of that comfort of home and a little distraction from their reality. If I were in their place, I would truly miss the simple escapism of playing games after a hard day at work, and I couldn't imagine a harder day at work than being in a combat zone. Ambridge pointed out that May, uh, Marianne Latif, Activision's senior vice president of corporate communications for nearly 20 years, and Ambridge's boss at the time, was immediately on board with the idea as well, saying it was one of those one-minute conversations he said, like, hey, there's this charity, and by the time I re- uh, relayed the basics, she said, absolutely. Um, the photos of the gear in action, including the briefing projector and gaming session, uh, just cemented the relationship between Activision and Operation Supply Drop. I don't think I deserve as much credit as Stephen often, uh, often offers me, said Amrich, but I'm honored to have helped. He's doing the work. I was just the guy with a few extra plastic guitars. Um, fast forward to 2015, and Operation Supply Drop has grown way beyond Machuga's basement. It gets support from charity game steam, uh, streamers on sites like Twitch and has a bunch of partner companies that regularly contribute gaming gear. The standard Supply Drop package now includes a games portable screen, tough enough to play out of the uh, back of a Humvee, with a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One, a couple of controllers, a gaming headset, and a bunch of games. I'd say it's grown. That's grown quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I asked Machuga if the active troops he's sending these, these drops to could get a hold of this stuff themselves, and he explained a bit about the economy of being on the front line. You're enlisted, guys. As much as combat pay and tax exemption work in their favor, they're not making a whole mess of money. You, uh, you, us sending like three or $4,000 worth of gear to them that is a deployment-changing event, not just for one dude, but an entire platoon or company. They can do it on their own, but Private Snuffy would not be spending that kind of money on stuff like that. He should be putting it away for uh, putting it away or figuring out a future. Um, and the troops who've already made it home need Machuga's help even more. Every day, 22 U.S. US uh, war veterans commit suicide. Researchers say the experience that troops live through while on duty and when coming home are what heighten their risk of suicide. Um, this is a quote following. I was in uh, I was in a light combat at best, but I still had problems, said Machuga. The guys who are kicking doors and pulling triggers every single day for 360 days a year, I can't even imagine what it's like coming from that environment. It's definitely a problem. Looking for a comparison, Machuga likened active service with going to prison. You're just locked away from the rest of the world, he said. The world moves on without you, and when you get out, you have this series of experiences, possibly violent experiences, that you can't really describe to anyone other than someone who's been in prison. Everybody else is just going to Starbucks and living their lives. You get released into that. It just hurts your brain, he said, struggling to put to depth. Uh, put, excuse me, said Machuga, struggling to put the depth of the experience into words. Games that Operation Supply Drop provide give veterans something to focus on other than their memories of war and their difficulties of readjusting to the everyday. And Machuga is now using Operation Supply Drop to bring young veterans together in a social program called Teams, an alternative to uh, the veterans of foreign wars for a generation that relates more to Halo than to Bingo. Um, the the article does go on for quite a bit longer. Uh, I just wanted to give everybody an idea of the, the fact that this exists and that somebody built this uh, out of nothing. It's the concept that came to their mind um, based on their coping mechanisms and skills. And also to let you know that you can, you can visit their website and get information about it. And uh, if you feel so compelled, you can you know, make donations to it. Um, it's very easy to find. Operation Supply Drop. Um, I think this is really cool, man. I think it's uh, unique. Uh, I love everything about everything and you just said. And not something that um, that you really hear people talk about when they talk about uh, troops coming home and, and trying to find ways to cope or recover from some of the experiences that they've sure. seen. 
the article does go on to uh, speak to a few other people that have uh, been a part of Operation Supply Drop or who have participated in it and gotten some of the packages from it and how it changed them and their recovery processes when they got home from war. Um, they also got some really cool photos of uh, you know troops over there. You can see one guy's got in the, the front of his his pocket on his his uh, you know camos. You can see a little a Game Boy Advance <laughs> you know SP a little square in his pocket there, and he's pointing out that he keeps it with him you know when he's out in the field, so he has something to play when they're in the middle of combat, I guess. Which seems like the wrong time to play a game, but well, it's great that they have it, man. I mean, what do you guys think of this program? Well, I have I have several friends who are former vets and who's. Um, suffer from P- PTSD, mm. and uh, you know, uh, from from what they've told me, it, it's been you know difficult adjusting back to reality again. And I think that you know anything that could be done to sort of help these people mentally cope with with you know what they have been through is um, I completely support it. And like that, that's my my main thoughts on this. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's definitely a great, uh, a de- definitely a great thing that they're doing to counter this issue. But I mean, kind of stepping back a little bit, it kind of shows that we can't look at things isolated in an isolated sense. Like one thing affects one another, and that's it. You know, yep. these people, you know, all people have to still live next to other people who have their own issues, who have come from different backgrounds. So I mean, looking at it from a cause and effect standpoint, you know, if we really want to tackle this issue, we should look at more of the cause and you know, kind of why. Yeah, this does gloss over the the political aspect yeah, of it. it I true. mean, it is an it's a nice gesture and it's a nice thing that's happening, but yeah, there is the greater question of why is that? Why is this even? Necessary? It's a band aid. I mean, when like, it comes down sure, to it, you know, there's, sure. there's still the, the cause of you know people are coming back with these problems. Sure, sure. You know, but I, I think the 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 point of the article is primarily, I think, trying to take a perspective of, or at least the way I read it, um, as I read it to completion was understanding that the cause is probably not going to go away anytime any soon and and the cause doesn't necessarily matter for the people who are already affected by it what can we do to if if we can't undo what's been done or we can't uh do away with the cause itself how do we help the people anything that that can help give people peace of mind that's it's rad man i think it's a really really cool really nice thing yeah especially considering that it's you know a lot of times you run into situations like this where you you have single people groups of people organizations of people that want to make change and do better things in the world but that but there, there are so many things there's just like you know what can one person do like what difference can one person make here's a prime example of the difference that one person can make in in a in a, in a way that's meaningful and helpful yeah. and so you know there is the bigger problem that is a that is a whole other conversation but <laughs> but that's a know, whole other podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know like the fact that this person was able to find something that he could do that has grown into something so meaningful. I think, I think it's the best part. Yeah, of the it's story. impacted a lot of yeah. people's lives yep, in positive absolutely. ways. It's amazing, man. Um, keep up the good work. I say, yeah. you know, and, uh, Godspeed, whatever speed that is. <laughs> I like speed. There you go. <laughs> Should be if it's not right. Yep. It's consistent. Mm. All right, guys, that's, that's going to do it for news this week. All right. Um, so uh, these gentlemen are making a game. So uh, let's find out a little bit more about that. All right. So 
John, I've been having trouble sleeping recently. Um, I've, I've been lying in bed, and I've been staring at the ceiling, and I've just been asking myself this question over and over and over again. What is Rocket Boat? <laughs> what is Rocket Boat? And um, I, I, I'm glad that now I, I can hopefully get some, get, get some resolution to this question. So, so please, gentlemen, what is Rocket Boat? Rocket Boat is a band. Rocket Boat is a video game. Rocket Boat is an album. And Rocket Boat is a song. It's so. It's many also things. an unrelated ride in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Rocket Boat takes many forms. So, whose idea was it to create a game? Well, oh, so, so first of all, I, I suppose let, let's start here. W- uh, tell us a little bit about the game, its premise, and how it relates to the band. Okay. Well, when we started the band, everybody in the band had been playing in projects or bands before. And we wanted to do something different this time. So generally, when we were in other bands, we would start by writing songs and practicing and then going out and playing for a while, hopefully do a recording, do an album, or in the case of these uh, the other guys' bands, you know, multiple albums, things like that. But this time we wanted to sort of set everything up beforehand, and we also wanted to try doing things that our previous bands hadn't done, such as music videos. So basically we had a list of three things that we wanted to accomplish. We wanted to do an album, we wanted to have music videos, and we wanted to do a video game. And I'm, I'm not sure how that exactly came up. Um, it's actually... Well, I, I had experience a little bit. I, I'm not a game developer by trade by any means. I'm basically learning this process as I'm going along. But I did used to design levels um for early half-life engine games oh okay nice um so i had some experience there and uh the guitar player in the band actually we were using rpg maker okay sure a long time ago and we sort of made a game about people we knew (laughs) we tried to we tried to put together like a fun story that you know people we knew would appreciate with a bunch of inside jokes and i guess this is really just the next extension of that and not being limited by having to redistribute rpg maker and you know being able to release on multiple platforms obviously it's not really an rpg the only thing it maybe would borrow would be the story elements of that um okay. but as far as gameplay it's not at all yeah, no, the um, you know, John and I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we we um, you know, we 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 both got a chance to try out you know the um, an early beta that you guys uh, you know were kind enough to provide, and it's um, it's it's a I think the 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 industry term for this is a two point five D um, side scroller. <laughs> it's um, it plays like a side scroller, but it's it's three dimension, and, and you know, as as you're going through, um, if you've played um, it, but it's it's it's. Uh, I don't know. How do you des- how do you describe the game? I always tell people Paper Mario, Super Paper oh, Mario. Oh, perfect! That's it. Yeah, that that makes yeah, like, yeah, oh, perfect sense. Yep, that's <laughs> that a, that's was the exactly first thing I thought of, and it's funny because when I was playing it, uh, you know, my lady was in the room with me, and she's watching it, and uh, <clears throat> the the first like f- like not even five minutes of my playing, I was just like, oh my god, it's really cool how they have all these different planes layered, and it gives a, a sense of of three dimensions to a game that plays like a, a traditional side scroller in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I remember saying aloud to Megan, the only thing that would make this better is if you could, you could move from plane to plane. And then lo and behold, another five minutes into playing, 
you guys had platforms in there, multi-directional platforms that allowed you to jump to and from the, the foreign backgrounds. And I thought that was fantastic. Yep. Right. And, and that's sort of what we're trying to do with the whole scope of the game, really, is to sort of take things that the player would initially want to do and, and hold out on it for a little while. And so that way we can slowly introduce new gameplay elements and, and thoroughly expend, expand upon the elements that we have already established before introducing new ones. So later on in future versions of the game, for instance, the players will get weapons and they'll be able to fight enemies. The first level, which is from the beta that you played, mm-hmm. the only thing that the player can do is avoid enemies. Yep. Yeah. So there's no there's no attack yet, but you kind of want to attack. Yeah. You know, so I very much wanted to kill the crap out of those fish that jumped out of the water in the cave. Oh, that, man. No, those... Well, and that's the thing too is is that you can in, in what I was able to play you can tell that you guys put thought into each section that was that that you're you're building as you go because the first couple times you you go to jump those sections in the the cave area and fish pop out and you fuck you know fuck <laughs> <laughs> hits you every time and you have to stop and think about you know the timing and the pattern of it and and you talk about introducing things in layers another thing that I I noticed that I appreciated even as I got to the end of the first level is before before the boss fight at the end of, of that level, you have that section with the open field where you're running across the field and something that stood out to me that I immediately noticed is all of a sudden these little guys that have been jumping in patterns, now they're starting to move in, in diagonals, mm-hmm. you know, which can really fuck you up if you're not paying attention. And that had not been seen prior to that at any point. So I right. can tell that you guys are slowly adding in things that once you get comfortable with things where it's at, Wrench in the spokes, wrench in the spokes, something new, something to change it up. And I thought that was noticeable and very much appreciated in, in, a, in a world where independent games are being put out. But most people go, well, well, we're independent, so we'll just do a side-scrolling 2D platformer, which is great, no problem. But you guys took that idea and put literally put dimension into it. You know, and so that to me stands out. Like I noticed it. Yeah, thanks for recognizing that. No, um, it's cool, man. I, it was it was fun. I dug it. You know, I, a great example of sort of good pacing in a game, I would say. Um, one of my favorite examples would be like Super Mario Three, mm-hmm. which, you know, everything from the very get go, from the way, you know, you jump on that first shell and you hit it, and it automatically hits that question yep. box down there to you know, make the leaf come out and then it sort of leads up. It's sort of telling you to go up through, up into the sky mm-hmm. to fly up right after that. I, I really appreciate the sense of design, and it's especially in a lot, of, a lot of the earlier games. I mean, that's really where my main influence is coming from level design are from just things like that that I, I notice and appreciate. Um, so you you approach it so that you think that the the game that the game should be should play in a way where as new abilities and uh, things are introduced it should be just kind of intuitive in the game design so that people just kind of naturally understand what's supposed to happen next as opposed to just having like a, a dialogue box pop yeah, up and say yeah. hey here's what happens next mm-hmm. okay so yeah no I, I love that i love everything about yeah that. we only do that at last resort actually the new the new version um of the beta has a, a little helper because we had some people that were getting stuck so there's a little character that explains how to 
move through the the multiple 3D layers, as you were saying. Yeah. Oh, it took okay. me a second to figure it out. Uh, initially, I think the first plate that I came upon had an uh, an up arrow on it or a behind arrow, yeah. I guess. I don't know which, how, how you guys would, would uh, term, what term you would use for it. But um, I was jumping on the plate. I'm like, jump, jump, jump. I feel like something should be happening here. Jump, jump, jump. So then I started hitting other keys. And I to, to, to let you guys know, I played this with a keyboard because I didn't have my gamepad stuff set up for it, okay? Um, and I don't remember what it was that made me think, well, the arrows in that direction hold up and then jump. And that changed it for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it makes perfect sense in the, the scaling of this world based on the, the different planes, you know? Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's... I guess I guess I could see maybe why you'd need a little helper in there for some people, but... If you play with it for just a minute, like it didn't take me long right, to figure out right. either. You know what I mean? Do you have it just come up right away, or does does it come up like if it's if if you have uh, signals that 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 shows you that the player is stuck? You it it does not come up right that way. Okay, yeah, cool, perfect. So. I like that. That's very cool. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, John, um, I I played it with the uh, with my Xbox One controller, mm-hmm. which um, I just want to mention, um, just as a complete and total non sequitur, um, this was my first time plugging my Xbox One controller into my laptop to play a game with it. Mm-hmm. I'm just just you know I, I don't PC game really, and so mm-hmm. um, I just you know I plugged it in, installed the driver, and then um, I didn't have to do a thing. Like I loaded up Perfect. the game, I didn't have to touch a thing, and it just worked. Perfectly, like like sounds like good to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you like glad to hear that. that. Um, so um, I, I don't know if you had thought about trying that, but uh, it worked beautifully. I have used it before okay. in the past, okay. but I don't know what happened. One day I went to go plug my Xbox One controller in to use it, and all of a sudden it says the driver's not there. So when I oh. try to install the driver, it won't let me install the driver now. Oh. I don't know what happened. Didn't touch or change a damn thing. But that's part of the reason I didn't use it. Oh, random. Um, okay. And I don't know where I put my my the dongle for the Xbox 361. I don't know. Okay. Well, it's great that you were able to make it so far, even just using a keyboard. I did, too. and it played perfectly fine to me. I mean, I'm a PC game player as well. Like I play, I'm I'm a um, uh, a non-denominational con or gamer. You know what I mean? Like I play everything. Mm-hmm. An equal so, opportunity game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm very comfortable with the, the you know WASD key setup, and you know what I mean. And and have played. I mean. Years, I mean, going ten years back, used to play games on emulators, so I'm used to spacebar for jumping and, you know, just WASD and stuff. So it it was very comfortable for me, and I like that we both got uh, different experiences with the control setups on it, and it worked worked fantastically. Yep. Right. Um, I'm I'm curious how long how long have you guys been working on the game? Oh, we are approaching almost two years. Is it now? I thought yeah. it was, I know it's a year and a half. It's, now. it's I. Okay, so when this game first started, basically this was just an experiment for me. I started, I made a section of the first level along with sort of an, an intro. Um, so I made a very early sort of pre-alpha kind of version of the game, which basically I had no experience with game development whatsoever. Honestly, the way I learned how to do this is I was on YouTube and there was uh, a tutorial series, How to Make a 2D Platformer with Unity. And it was actually by happy accident that we ended up going this 2.5D route because there, during the tutorial, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, and but this will happen. But just, you know, click this and disable it. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to disable it. You know, I, I like how this <laughs> looks. I think this is great. So the tutorial was basically having you, like, lock the camera perspective and everything. So even though it might have... Like, if you had moved the camera around, it would have been 3D, but it was having you set up so that it would look like classic 2D. Exactly, exactly. And, okay, I gotcha. So we just four, four went that. Yeah. and uh, I'm glad you did, because it looks fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so basically, I was working in about two months. I 
had you know created graphics for it, I created music for it. I had done all these things. I put together a playable build, um, and I had shown it to like the bands and some friends, and everybody was really impressed with it. And but those two months of my life were horrible. <laughs> it, it was it was terrible. I I, I didn't do. I literally I literally spent all of my free time doing that. And in the programming and like the code aspect of it was so foreign to me. And then I, that's when I thought of Leo, and I was like, "Hey, man, check out this this game that I'm making." And I sent it over to him. I was like, "If you want to help out with it," and then he agreed. And then we sort of just then rebuilt everything from scratch, and then spent a lot of time building building the engine. And uh, what know. blows my mind about this is you you kind of you kind of dropped a bomb on charlie and i a little bit ago uh when we were between recording sections you guys have been working on this game together for almost two years Mm -hmm. and you you told charlie and i that as you sit here in the studio recording with us this is what the third time you've met in person third time yeah yeah Fucking mind-boggling. I feel like there's a story there if you might if you if if i could trouble you to tell that please um, sure, sure. I guess, um, so, let me think here. Um, so we met, uh, we, we have a mutual friend mm-hmm. and we're both kind of interested in, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit, a little bit of, of our views and whatnot. Um, and we have a lot of the same views. Um, so we kind of just, I think our first meeting was like a four hour conversation at like Starbucks. Yeah. It, had an, it was actually prior <laughs> to this game. This yeah. was just like, we're like, okay, we're interested in the same things. Um, we both have like these ideas for these different sort of programs or, or websites or you know technological solutions to to things and uh so yeah so we were just sort of getting to know each other and, and then you know we exchanged some ideas but nothing really came further of it and it wasn't until this game that we that we really started talking this this whole game was basically developed through probably 20,000 Facebook chat messages <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah, I mean, we really we got a we have a good system. Um, we are using uh, a GitHub to, <laughs> you know, keep track of all our projects and everything, um, and all our files and our versioning, and, uh, and a tasking system to keep track of new features sure. and whatnot, and you know, keep us. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's just all all virtual, all virtual tools. Um, just a way to keep the keep the code in there, update the code back and forth, and we didn't really we don't really need to like meet up in person really i think the only one time we actually had to like view each other face to face i remember this now yeah we had some issue with the camera system because the camera system is kind of a very complex part of the part of the game and there was just something i couldn't visualize i just couldn't visualize it at all and he had to actually like hand motion while we were on skype chat yeah, we had the, we had the skype. <laughs> that was the only time we skype too i think yeah, yeah because we couldn't like we spent like a week like trying to like describe this idea and it wasn't until i was able to gesture with my hands like what i meant that like oh okay it literally now, was now a gesture as soon as he did the gesture i was like oh that's what it's supposed to do okay yeah but i mean it, the, the the piece you're talking about is it in the demo we play i'm curious it's yeah it's a part of the, the camera system the camera system's kind of uh just is it just base. one of the motions one, one of the movements that the camera makes or? well the can't it the camera <laughs> the camera system and it's very in-depth we're actually thinking about releasing that as a separate um, chunk of code for the Unity asset store oh, because cool. we're pretty happy with how it, how it turned out. But basically, the camera is very customizable depending on 
relative to player movement, relative to speed. There's all to sorts location. of all sorts of variables. So it really allows us to frame shots and, and have interesting sort of animations. That was for me. That was one of the most fun things setting up because I I really like the aesthetics mostly of, of game design. That's probably one of my favorite parts. Of the aesthetic, at least at this point in my life. Um, no, I guess it's always been that way. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to draw mario levels and sure stuff, i like how they looked so for, so for, for the listeners just, just so you kind of understand what we're talking about here um the, the way that the camera system in this game works and guys correct me if i say something incorrect here but um as as you're moving through um the levels as, you know with a, with a traditional 2d side scroller the camera just pans basically with you um the uh but the way that the camera works in this is because you've got the you know as we talked about a little bit the the depth of moving between the different planes and um also depending on if you're going forwards or backwards just be, you know because you're in a three-dimensional space really just playing it in two dimensions um kind of sort of the the camera it sort of has uh i, I call them like keyframes you know kind of a thing like as you're moving through the level like the camera will move and like take a position and um, which apparently is controlled by a lot more variables than I anticipated. Um, to uh, as you pass through that little that little section of the level, and then it'll move to the next. You know, it'll, it'll pan over a little bit and take a new new angle to show you the next little piece you have to get through, and so on. Am I describing it well? Would you say? Yeah, from from a design standpoint, from a level design standpoint, they're all set up in such a way to kind of highlight the certain part of the level that you're on, mm-hmm. or even kind of show a little hidden secret part. Like there's some secret items that are there that kind of the the camera will move into that way to kind of show you a little bit oh hey there's something there so it's kind of strategized picked up a couple hearts that just that way (laughs) it's a a combination of keyframes and there's also like an auto mode and it sort of goes between okay both cool very cool just just contextually depending on what's what's around you what's happening yeah yeah just really yeah exactly it's just it's very Mm -hmm. the design process for it is very deliberate and very linear and it will continue to be that way okay i i'm curious um what what is the um what what is your guys' projector or at least hoped for uh, release window for the game? That's a multi tiered question. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we want to port to multiple platforms from the very beginning. Uh, we want to do PC. We have, I mean, we have it running on PC, Mac, Linux. We still have yet to test an iOS version. Um, though seeing as how easy it is with Unity to port to other platforms, I don't think it'll be much trouble at all. Um, and we have an, an Android version that, that runs surprisingly well. I mean, I, I'm stuck with, um, I have a Galaxy S2. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I had one. I'm sorry. And, and it actually, it, it, uh, I still have it. Yeah. Um, and it runs the game almost perfectly no shit yeah it's i was very i'm very pleased with the you know the optimizations and things that we've done so you know there's a wide uh wide degree of hardware support um as far as when we're releasing that like i said it's multi-tiered first of all we want to we're going to release a version of the game which is essentially the first chapter, which is a slightly extended version of what you guys played. Okay. That is what we're going to be using to sort of see what what audience response is and sort of see what sort of support we can get um, through, A, a publisher. Um, we, who we've, we've had some talks with uh, at least one publisher so far, and... Um, or to do a crowdfunding campaign to fund the full game because, you know, it, it's funny. It just keeps on. It's it's almost multiple 
uh, exponential levels of this same thing. Whereas, you know, I was saying when I first made this first demo that I showed Leo, I realized that to do what I actually wanted to do was going to be way more work than I could possibly do by myself. Yep. And the same thing is happening again. Now, envisioning <laughs> the full scope of the game. It's like, okay, like, these are the things that we want to do. We know how much time it takes to do these certain things. Like, regardless, the game will get done, but I would like to shave a few years off of that development <laughs> time frame. You don't want it to be by, a four-year project, huh? Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, who, who knows how, how long it's going to take, but, I mean, just the things like making the... Um, for the listeners, it's... Uh, it's a very pixel art heavy game. It's 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 pixel art mixed with three D, three D effects and and uh, processing. And you guys do all the art too between the two of you? Pretty much just me. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So I, I do I do the art. I do the music. I do the level design. I do the story. Um, and Leo makes it all work. Yep. <laughs> okay. Leo is the tiny god that brings life to this world. Man behind the mirror. Yeah. Um, do you do you um, since you're doing all the art? Which, by the way, one of the things when you when you initially showed us what the game looked like and we got to kind of take a look at it, uh, Charlie and I were both really surprised at how how well the pixel art translated to a, a sort of almost 3D look. But we were both really surprised with all the little like detail you guys had in there for like shadows and stuff mm-hmm. on things, you know. Little leaves and trees, you know, like uh, little light light uh, shafts through the trees that shine on the backgrounds of some of the other planes that are there. And it was a really smart way to give uh, the different planes a sense of depth of field and that there was something in front or above you that's not actually there. It was really kind of clever, you know, really neat. I mean, that's, that's, that's sort of the fun thing. And that's why it's kind of, you know, I've never really seen a game that looks quite like this. I'm, I'm pretty proud of us that we've been able to do something that's, that comes across as unique. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of different effects that you could do with modern processing that you couldn't have done in the past with, with pixel art before. So, I mean, you'll see, I mean, we're even talking about, for, we were just talking before we came up here, we, when we had our third meeting, uh, <laughs> we, we met up at Starbucks and we were just sort of talking about some of the things we want to do in the future. And, um, you can do a lot of interesting effects and it's really interesting to see how these different art styles merge and it's really it's just trial and error it's just like Mm -hmm. does this look good does this not i have this idea can we you know implement this type of effect or this type of lighting system is this good is this too processor intensive uh and uh it's just experimenting but it's it's fun i want to try to do as much as we can i mean there's also like really subtle things there i'm not sure if you noticed but like Unlike the water, unlike the waterfalls, there's like these um, reflection maps. So even though it's pixel, you know the the waterfall texture is is pixelated. There's this sort of smooth um, highlight pattern that, as the camera changes, gives it this shining sheen. Yeah, yeah, I did notice it. It's yep. cool. So just certain, you know, whenever we can think of a way to implement just some sort of subtle feature, and you know, I think as the, again this sort of goes back to what I was saying with our general design process is though we want to constantly introduce new gameplay elements and sort of put new twists on it, we also want to constantly introduce new uh, new types of art direction, which you can see throughout that level. That's, I mean, that's another example of that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned you do the music for it. Would, would it be smart for me to assume that, that you are taking 
rocket boat tunes from the band and like essentially chip tuning those and yeah that, that's, the game? yeah that's exactly what it is um well it's, a, it's that so there's the we do or i do um direct translations of it so it is mm-hmm. great because we st- i still have all of the stems from when we recorded our album and everything and i can just go in and we did everything to click track so i can literally I'm literally going in and clicking in every single note, every single drum hit, every single <laughs> you know note on the bass line. Because I mean, when we record our album, everything we do is very deliberate. Um, so I want to get that across, but I'm working within the limitations of the Nintendo sound chip. Um, so basically, for the most part, you won't hear more than four sounds at a time. Mm-hmm. Though our album has more than that. So then I sort of have to take a a little bit of a creative uh, perspective for how I'm going to highlight perhaps the most important instrument what do you cut but still preserve the song yeah yeah, exactly and then so there's that aspect and then the other aspect which is like a ton of fun of for me as somebody who likes to write and compose and arrange music is i'll take these themes and these things that we've done from our from our album from our songs and i will put a new twist on it so i'll i'll take you know certain riffs or whatever and i'll change the feel or i'll change the tempo or maybe i'll you know, in the forest section, for instance, it's actually, I don't know, if, I don't even know if you know this, um, it's the guitar solo from the first song on our album, slowed down to half speed, completely different uh, chords in, in sort of uh, comp uh, tracks in the background, and then I sort of changed the notes to fit that slower tempo. Oh, right on. And, uh, and it ended up being this whole sort of new music that came out of... <laughs> this already existing idea it's it's a ton of fun i actually do. did not know that yeah <laughs> i do right remember on. you were saying that you were you were you were coming up with the underground level the music for that and i remember we kind of like you, you sent some stuff to me and i was like oh this sounds cool yeah well all i did I, there's in that same song all of the the first level all has music from our first song on our album and that's actually how the game progresses so each level is based around a song from the album oh nice right on that's um, cool um, so yeah, so that the underground section basically we just took these rhythmic hits from, or I took these rhythmic hits from that song, and just did it with different chords and different effects. But it's still, it's still everything is still coming from that same. Is there direct song. inspiration happening between like the song and the level, like about what the level's about and the song's about? Is there anything happening there? Um, you know what? Actually, probably, probably for that level at least. Um. Because it is very outdoorsy, and it's probably I'm seeing probably imagery from our music video, okay. which is very outdoors for that song. Okay, um, but then the rest of the game sort of has a story that I sort of made fit. Okay, so there there's certain imagery and things that I would get from certain songs, and I would sort of use that as sort of a starting point, and then I would find ways to connect the dots for. Right to on. make sense gotcha. of everything. What uh, what are you, some of your inspirations for the game and the art style, and just uh, you know going into it? Um, well, for the art style, I mean, basically, I'm shooting for the this type of quality and polish that you'd see on early, um, not even early. I guess more like middle or late Nintendo games from like Capcom or Nintendo, where you know pixel art can go a lot of different different directions there's mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different ideas of of what is quality and there's a lot of creative interpretations of it but i i like the very geometric and like 
almost almost math based type uh type design work that you see in in a lot of those games it's sure, all very sure. pattern based and it's all very it looks very deliberate um so yeah i guess that for art style and then for the overall game experience my biggest influence is probably um earthbound or mother series okay cool right on. um i really enjoy the way that they sort of took a modern day reality and applied a whimsical element to it and then just the the dialogue and the story on it that game is it's one of the most brilliant writing some of the most brilliant writing i've ever seen in a game personally uh yeah i did notice and and appreciate a uh, a couple of you know tips of the hat to mega man as well oh yeah you, know, you mentioned capcom Completely. and nintendo head you know exactly. i mean obviously some of the, the the actual characters everybody in the band that's represented you know the jump animations Completely. would be something you you would you would like in the Mega Man and the like your character select screen your continue and start oh, screens yeah. very similar which I liked because that that made me feel immediately <laughs> uh, nostalgic and comfortable and I, I dug that perfect cool. then it yeah. worked <laughs> yeah it did hey, mission accomplished well done and I guess that's what I meant when I just saying the the middle middle uh, middle era Nintendo yeah. games. Um, but yeah, I'm basically drawing from from everything. I mean, I don't know if you caught too in there. There's that uh, reference to uh, the wizard. From yeah, I did. You wrote up some dialogue. I was wondering if that's what that was. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of little things, man. Yeah. It seems like you guys are really going out of your way to put a lot of uh, you know very subtle details into it that that are going to go along. A lot with of nods. Like, a yeah, lot exactly. Of, uh, yeah. Which is really cool. A lot of our own influences too, like from games like you know Earthbound, Mega Man. You know, we love, we love all those games. So we want to naturally make a game that we. We like to see. Yeah. Sure. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Awesome. So you guys are going to take kind of a uh, it's it's done when it's done sort of approach to it then. Yeah. Where where, where can people go to find out uh, more about the game or keep up with you guys on any announcements or, or news you're putting out there for it? Well, there's our website, rocketboatgame.com. Um, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rocketboatgame. And Twitter, rocketboatgame, at rocketboatgame. Please follow us on Twitter. We have very few Twitter followers. We have a lot of <laughs> Facebook followers, but I'm I'm just not very good with Twitter. I, I I always make an effort to get better with it, but I. But you're kind of busy building a fucking video game. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's why too we're hopeful that you know if we can get some sort of publishing deal and somebody would be willing to take over some of these marketing and promotional <laughs> aspects because that would be delightful. Yeah, or and or have money <laughs> to you know, get some assistance with doing such dreadful things as pixel art. I mean, it's, it's so time consuming to, to do one frame of animation and get it perfect when you only have a 16 by 16 grid and you're super OCD and you want to make sure that it is absolutely 100% perfect. Love him or hate him, I do remember uh, uh, infamous Fez creator Phil Fish uh, bemoaning the difficulty and, and frustration of pixel art, creating pixel art, you know, almost from scratch. I guess that seems to be a pretty common thread. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, I, I've worked with and know a few pixel artists, and I tip of the hat, seriously, you guys, like that's so difficult. I mean, I, I have I'm very math based and very you know OCD, perfect things have to be perfect, but art, not my thing. Yeah. And it, it's so it's 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 so the opposite of what you would expect. You know, it's just like oh, I just move these dots, and it's just like no, no, it's that's simpler. not how it yeah. works at all. Pushing <laughs> pixels is very tedious. Yeah, yeah working within limitations in general yeah, is, is often true. a lot more difficult than the free palette of you know yep. build this anything. and make it look right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, 
we won't hold you to this answer, I promise. But if if there are people out there that are just thinking like, okay, I'll follow you guys. I, I just want to know when when could I possibly have a taste of this? Do you it, right now? What is your window of maybe maybe possibly having something out there for people to put their hands on? Well, we will not hold you to this. I promise. They're looking at each other, <laughs> searching looking at each other's souls, I'm man. I wanted to see if you wanted to answer. <laughs> it's kind of if based he wants on me. Uh, take the responsibility <laughs> burden of this question. There's a lot of uh, little minor polishes that still need to get done. A couple more bug fixes, uh, but yeah, it should. I would probably say personally, at the very latest, just to make sure everything is is done, I'd probably say a month. Oh, that so seems, that seems comfortable. by the end of the year. Oh, completely. Okay. Yes, okay. Yes, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. That um, feels good. That feels like appropriately yeah. safe. Before the end of the year, yeah. it feels good because there's not a lot of year left, but there's just enough that you guys have time to work on it. Yeah, but li- likely within the next month. I mean, again, that's what it all comes down to, you know, being perfectionist. I don't I don't want to have a Street Fighter Five incident. Ah, no, yeah, no, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. We we I mean this is your first time on the show and, and you guys haven't known or worked with us previously, but there's been a um, since I joined the show only just in January officially, I think I joined technically in like, you know, November, like early November yeah. or something, but I didn't formally join the show until, uh, the first episode of 2015. We have done a tremendous amount of bemoaning about how we would rather people take years to finish a game than put out a broken one. We're just so done with it. So it's, it's nice to hear that even on like on an independent level where you guys are just two fellas doing this whole thing from nothing. That you're willing to wait to put out a finished game, I think, is fantastic. I mean, well, I, being independent gives us that ability to mm-hmm. as well. Yep. You know, we're not beholden to anyone. Yeah, we so. yeah. But except to the, the interest of pe- you know the people who've come across it, that's the only people we're beholden to. We don't want to end up being vaporware and then <laughs> being a no. Big I joke. can confirm. I put my hands on it. Yep. It is not vaporware. <laughs> Seconded. It is, it is funware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, okay, so unless there's anything else you guys want to touch on, make sure that people know about. Um, oh, yeah, you can also check out RocketBoat.com, which is the band that the game is based off of. Makes uh, perfect sense. I would imagine yeah. if you're going to push the game, you, they should. I mean, especially since you're talking about how you know levels are designed based on the album and the track listing, and you know, I mean, like that's that's the two are almost a companion to one another at this point. It makes sense for them to go check out the band and listen. There's to the actually music. even, uh, there's actually even like some bonuses in there. So if you like collect some of the hidden items in there, like the notes, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the them. You'll notes, actually get yeah. tracks in the jukebox on the main menu screen. So you can oh, hear yeah, the nice. actual music. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So thanks very much guys. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing more for sure. Yeah, man. I, um, I, I was not sated. I need more. <laughs> Must have more. All right, and so let's go ahead and move on and check in with Goat and see what the mailbag holds for us this week. So for Goat's mailbag this week, we have a little bit more of a music-related goodness for you. Goat had the chance to sit down and interview MC Lars out on the Warp Tour, and uh, so let's. Uh, well, this is this. I'm curious to listen to this. This is Goat's first time doing an interview, and uh, so let let's let's check it's in. It's normally with Goat. you and I doing yep, the interviews. Yes, it is. And uh, so Goat uh, Goat stepped up and uh, sat down with MC Lars, and so let let's see how that went. And well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm curious. May God have mercy on your goat soul. <laughs> Uh, this is Goat with a special, very, very special Goat remote. Uh, I have uh, pinned down the infamous MC Lars, who's out on this tour with us. How's it going, sir? Hey, Goat. It's been, uh, today was a, a crazy day, but everything is awesome, and I'm glad we could finally talk. How are you doing? Uh, I'd have to agree with you on the, the crazy left turns we've gotten today with the rain and a new stage and 
everything went left. But we, we came through it. We came through it. So uh, let's get the let's get the easy question out of the way. Uh, Lars, wh what's your favorite game? My favorite game of all time uh, would probably have to be. Have you ever heard of, of a, a boy and his blob? Yes, that's a great, great. That's a that's a nice title, right? Yeah, and it was like it's one of those whimsical NES games where there's such a great emotional story like it has the Calvin and Hobbes element and the jelly beans each jelly bean you throw to the blob it becomes a different means of transportation and what's crazy about that is it was the first game where I, I had a journal where I made notes about what bean was what where I really got nerdy with like my, making my own strategy guide man do I miss those days <laughs> of having your your notes and your binders and you're like don't touch that that's 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 sacred information <laughs> So like, what, what what drew you to that game though as a kid? What I love about that game was the imaginative gameplay because there was a whole thing where like you could go for five levels trying to like the you're trying to get the blob back to Blobania, which is kinda of like an E. T. premise. He's like a space alien or something you want to take home. And um, you go through this terrestrial level of like earth, city, underwater, but then you realize that one of the magic jelly beans that you get, you take back to the beginning and you throw it to the blob and the blob becomes a spaceship, takes you home to Blobania, then you have to play that level. So I like the metaphysical element of it because it's like you achieve so much in our, like, you know, in our existentialist quest, we're trying to make, solve all these problems, but really you just need the jelly bean that takes the blob home to Blobania. And I feel like that is a metaphor for the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will wholly agree with that. <laughs> Five million things, and oh, I just needed this bean. <laughs> yeah, just this one bean, and I love that. It was like there was an emotional arc between the kid and his alien pet. And I love the box art and the strategy guide. It was really cool because it was since it was an outsourced third-party game, not Nintendo. It was like a smaller, unknown, like unknown indie game developer. It had a lot of character, and that's where I kind of realized that like. You know, sometimes the best media doesn't come out from the main corporation. Sometimes it does. Mario 3 is a classic, but sometimes it's the random esoteric games that inspired me. And I think that's something I t that took with me as an artist and punk rock and stuff, you know? You feel me, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the indie titles right now, are, there's so many great ones. And the AAA titles are the same ones that we've had for like 10 years. It's almost like the music industry. The bands who are selling coliseums have had hits for a minute, and the cool, interesting bands are like on the side stages on Warp Tour or like on weird, playing weird underground club scenes. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's it, there's a parallel in culture with the music industry and the gaming industry, especially right now. It's kind of fascinating, though. Oh, I, I would totally agree with that. It's it's I, the more I do this, the more I've I've, I've learned that. Uh, Video games and music run run side by side. And that's how most artists make money now, is licensing their music to games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So if you don't know who MC Lars, he, he, he rocks the greatest bling ever on stage. It's a gold original Zelda. It's original Zelda, correct? Yeah, yeah. The old, I think it's, it came out in 80, 86, the first game. 85, or it was, or maybe 80, maybe 87. Late 80s. Yeah, I think it was 86. But it's the original gold cartridge on a, a very beautiful braided gold chain. <laughs> What's the story behind that that piece of uh, jewelry? That's an awesome question, and um, I'm, I've never really talked about it, but my aunt and uncle gave me that game um, in second grade. Like, growing up, there was 
you know, I noticed like every Christmas I'd meet with my aunt and uncle and my cousin in LA and they'd always give me cool video games and stuff like that. But one Christmas the families were fighting and we couldn't m meet up. But they were they remembered me and they sent me a copy of the original Zelda game. And I remember I played it over Christmas because I was sad I didn't see my cousin because we always game together. And um, that game though, they sent it to me to like be like, we're thinking of you. And then my uncle, a few years after that, we found out he had dementia and we didn't spend as much Christmases together. And But that game, ha and he passed away recently, like a few months ago. And that game is, I wear it on my chain as a tribute to happy family times and um, as a tribute to him because it's like your family sacrifices so much for us to be able to have these toys to show they love us. And I wanted to proudly show this game that reminded me of a happy Christmas when our families were fighting. So I have a lot of emotional connection to it, as a lot of our generation does. But yeah, I'm just proud to have it on stage. And at his funeral, I held up the chain and talked about power, wisdom, and courage, and how he taught me how to be, he was an, a musician too, how to be proud of myself, how to be courageous in the industry, and how to have that wisdom that things will get better. So it's really a testament to a mentor who um, means a lot to me. And I think that the passion and the story of Zelda is such a, it's almost like Star Wars or the Bible or something because it's not to be sacrilegious but it really taps into a human story so I have a really deep emotional connection with that I never really gotten emotional talking about it but I'm glad you asked man that that is way better than I could ever imagine like, like, <laughs> like it's it's got purpose I was waiting for like what's the Zelda chain what, what more do you want like it's awesome yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's got a story. It's got, it's got, and I love it. And also I think it's kind of dope because it's like, it's the gold game on the gold rope. It's so dope that I had two and some kid in Rochester ran up and snatched that Legend of Zelda chain from my table and the security couldn't get him. So that's, if anyone in upstate New York, if you see one of those, it's mine. But I'm just saying, he didn't steal the one my aunt and uncle gave me. So, so it's all good. <laughs> I, I made a backup. So, so if you if you see some kid rockets and bling in Rochester, uh, just return that to uh, MC here. Please, I'll give you free 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 guest list for life if you find that for real. I'm just saying. <laughs> so that brings me into the the whole. How did you get into rapping, and especially like your type of rap? Um, that's a good question too. I, you know, I used to play in a punk band. And I do punk hardcore shows around Central California, and then I started making beats because some weekends my band couldn't practice. My family kind of lived out in out in the country, and I make beats on my computer. I used to make beats back. Um, the first time I realized you could do that was Mario Paint. Remember that? You could do the music arrangement on Mario Paint. Oh yeah, who doesn't remember that? That's what all I did on Mario Paint. I don't think I painted one picture on that game. You could make. It was so cool to be able to program this machine, and then I realized that. I love doing stuff on um, Cubase and Reason, and then I do synth stuff and rap over it and open for my band. I had a Shakespeare rap and just different stuff and just silly, weird stuff about my life. But people started like responding to that more than the punk band. And it was like that was what people wanted to see, and I realized that. So I was in England in 2003. I did my undergrad part of it in Oxford, and we had a Shakespeare class. And I started writing more Shakespeare rhymes and performing. And it just kind of was a happy accident. I really loved it. I learned how to book and promote shows from my hardcore punk days, but applied it to the inter to my music. But that was before the internet and social media. So it kind of was a word of mouth thing. And then a band called Bowling for Soup um, hit me up and took me on my first tour. And I didn't finish my senior year in college. And then I came back and finished the, the year and put out an EP I did in my dorm. And then that's it. I just love rap because 
I felt it was the one way to express myself by myself in a clear, precise way and also connect with a, a, a genre of music that I felt like in 2003, people weren't doing it like I was doing it. It was That was still like the nerdcore thing was kind of, no one was doing that yet. Or no one was doing that on a, on a mainstream level. And that's when I found out MC Chris was 2003 in front of a lot, like 2006 when I lived in New York. And then we all kind of came together and helped each other and here we are. And now I, every other year I've been asked to do the Warp Tour, which is amazing. So I'm a very lucky man. Life is a series of random accidents, like a boy in his blob. I found that jelly bean. <laughs> that that's amazing. That that just man, I'm gonna that's gonna like I'm gonna that's gonna come off warp tour with me and be like, oh, music industry is just like this game. Play this game if you wanna be in the music industry. Yeah, but yeah. that that's awesome that you like you, you found you found something to do out of something else. Like, you know, the the, the, the classic story of, well, my first band wasn't working, so I tried something completely different and it took. Yeah, like how many I'm trying to think of there's so many examples of that. Like, I mean, even on Warp Tour, like, it's like, well, Skrillex from first to last. He's like, let me just play these beats I did on my computer, and then it's the biggest thing in the world. Then he's amazing. Or, um, homie from, um, what's it called? There's a lot of, there's bands like that on Warp Tour where it's other iterations of former bands. I think that's awesome, you know? That's special. Oh, yeah. That's definitely special. So, all right, so we do a, a random question. We've done the serious ones. Let's get a little, little whimsical, a little wild here. And and what would an MC Lars game, if you were to put out a video game, be like? That's a really, oh man, that's such a funny question, man. And I've never been asked that, but um, oh, I think it would be funny because it'd be like Warp Tour. You do a game of Warp Tour, like like get around the slow kids, uh, avoid the mud. Don't die from dehydration. Don't get yelled at by your stage manager. Make sure you've ordered enough shirts. Like, it would be a really intense, like, Final Fantasy VII, but you ha it's, like, really stressful. And it's like a role-playing, an RPG game, and then you, and it's just like, you roll the dice. Okay, someday you have three kids. Some days you have 500 kids. Some days you make 50 bucks on merch. Sometimes you make more than that. Sometimes your bus driver get leaves in the middle of the tour. Sometimes you have to wait three hours into Canada and three hours out of Canada because of people on your bus with the past felonies. Like, that's Warp Tour. It would be the Warp Tour game, and like, and you'd have, like, meters, like, how much, how much you're sweating, how hungry you are. Can you get someone to bring you one of those cellophane, cellophane covered plates before you pass out um, are you going and if you get if you go over your set you lose like points you know what I mean or like then there's the financial side like it would be a really hard game but when you win when you finish at the end of the summer that means that the magic jelly bean is still in effect you get another jelly bean which means you can do with your ridiculous thing for another year so it'd be a fusion of a lot of games <laughs> and it would be really hard but really fun and the soundtrack would be really cacophonous like Warped Tour you wouldn't really hear anything. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is you're gonna make an an, an, an RPG real-time strategy uh, mini game, almost impossible warp tour simulation game, and and you're gonna host it. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna host it, and that your the character is first person for me. So the gameplay is like Doom Doom 2. It's a throwback 8-bit, like early CGI. 
and you call your friends on the modem to play it, but like sometimes you have to call like eight times. Sometimes the phone picks up, sometimes it doesn't. You can only play it with a USB 4800 baud modem. That's the only way you can play against your friends. And sometimes their mom calls up, picks up in the middle of the connection, you get hung up. But it's the graphics are like throwback like that. First person. And your mic is your gun, and you shoot like, if someone's in your way, you shoot lyrics at them. This is a bit abstract. Like, you notice on Warp Tour, it's all about getting from point A to point B, having a, as little, like, blocks in your way. It's almost like Mario Kart 2. That's you with your cart, setting a merch. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, ladies and gentlemen, when, when he makes his game, it's going to be harder than E.T. on Atari, more frustrating than anything you've ever played, but you'll never be able to put it down. Yeah, and you're going to be... Well, no, they strap you in a chair, and you play it for 52 days. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the first real tour simulator... <laughs> yeah, that that would have a huge market. Yeah, that that'll be on store shelves uh, early 2016 on uh, MC uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so can I, say something? can I say something though? I've always had ideas for like small tablet games. If any developers out there want to collaborate and do like a revenue share on an MC Lars app, I would be honored to work with anyone who has a pitch. I have an idea. I have a few things I've done prototypes of, but. Any developers out there, like, if you want to collaborate, I would love to, you know, work with you and hear your ideas. I just wanted to make that shout out. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think we do have a couple uh, developers. Actually, I know one app developer that listens to us. Cool. So maybe maybe Ricky, you could uh, get a hold of Mr. Lars here and, uh, you know, do some magic jelly bean making. <laughs> That'd be awesome, man. It wouldn't be as crazy as the game we're talking about. Simple and really fun. All right. Well, it's uh, it's been a blast doing this with you. Um, the final question is, where can people find you? I think the coolest place to find my music. I really recommend Spotify. Spotify has my whole catalog essentially, and my best songs I think are like t t on the top when you click on it. But also, I'm on Twitter as MC Lars, Instagram is MC underscore Lars, and Facebook and uh, mclars.com and I'm doing a fall tour so I'll be all over the country with Cuckoo Kangaroo and I uh, would love to see you guys but my new album comes out October 6th it's called The Zombie Dinosaur LP and I have a song on it called Triforce about my family and what the bling means to me and the video for that comes out in August too so that's it that's all basically I wanted to say <laughs> so check all of that out you will be thoroughly impressed he's a fun guy to tour with he's uh, even better uh, musician <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. That's actually all you can ask for on tour. Because often it's the other way around. Yeah, we, we lucked out with our stage. Our stage is pretty uh, pretty chill. Our stage is really diverse and everyone's really kind and says hello and we all get along. There's no egos. And uh, yeah, uh, shout out to the Beatport stage, especially the crew and especially everyone behind the scenes who makes that happen. I'm just saying, you guys are the real artists. <laughs> well, thank you for sitting down with me, Lars. Um... So this is uh, this has been the special Goat Remote Edition of uh, I guess interview on Warp Tour. Thank you, Goat. Sorry, awkward handshake. You didn't see it, but we we did the awkward white guy hip hop thing where you do three different handshakes and then you just shake hands. Yes, I can uh, I can confirm that. So uh, yeah, this has been a special interview edition on Warp Tour of Goat Remote. 
see you guys later. All right, thanks, Goat. Think that went pretty well. And uh, thanks also to MC Lars and to you, Goat, for um, taking time out of your busy schedules to fit this interview in. Uh, listeners, stick around to the end of the episode. MC Lars was kind enough to let us include one of his newest tracks off of his upcoming uh, album, The Zombie Dinosaur LP. Uh, the song is called Dragon's Blood, and it's basically a uh, Game of Thrones rap from the viewpoint of Daenerys Targaryen, uh, which is, I mean, awesome. Um, and also, there is a music video on uh, MC Lars' YouTube channel um, for this video. Um, and you should check it out if, if you like the song because um, it basically, well, I'll just, I'll just leave it at this. I don't know who thought it was a good idea to give Daenerys Targaryen an office job because, well, clearly that wasn't going to end well. And, well, check out the video. <laughs> All right, and so for our mailbag question this week, we asked, uh, so Rocketboat is joining us to discuss their upcoming game. And uh, so if you have any questions for them, let us know. Otherwise, what other bands should have their own video game? Uh, we had Denny Meckler respond, and he says, "As a I am afraid." <laughs> no, this is a good answer. I like this. Um, if, so first, he said "Guar," which I <laughs> yes, I, I I played Brutal Legend, so I feel like I played that already. It's um, possible. Um, but uh, he then followed up and said, "As amazingly brutal and oddly sexy as a Guar game would be, um, I think a better might a better answer might actually be an Iron Maiden uh, video game." Eddie, their mascot, is an undead character who looks like Donald Trump before he puts on his skin. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> I oh, my not, God. I did not read this ahead of time, and I'm so glad I didn't because, oh, that's perfect. Um, since Eddie has been on every album cover since the band's beginning, and also on their beer, by the way, um, mm. it, would, it would be great to focus on him. You could travel through time since Eddie goes back to ancient Egypt and Power Slave and all the way to a distant yet iconically 80s future and somewhere in time. I don't know anything about what makes interesting games gameplay and ridiculous video game concepts that live inside my oversized head not a brain joke i just can't fit into most hats <laughs> but maybe you can collect the scalps of your enemies and power up after gathering your seventh son of a seventh son i'm assuming that's an, an iron maiden reference at the end there uh, i'm not i'm not really all familiar with the band but um yeah that sounds that sounds good to me um I, I i would check that game out right on yeah um it sort of took a left turn for me there with the scalping this is is eddie known as for scalping people on the on the artwork, I, I can honestly say that despite knowing their music, I've never once looked into Iron Maiden's lore or Eddie's lore. I just know who and what they are, and he is. Uh, I've never tried the beer. I can I can actually say that. Just it's I've, I've passed it up more times than I can count. But uh, something I something to look forward to. It's, maybe it's, it's on the bucket list. Um, and then so we also have uh, Songbird writing in, and she says, um, "Dear Tekatronicar and Fallonflan, Josh, and other persons whose name wasn't mentioned." <laughs> That is true. We actually did not mention because, as I as I recall now, thinking back, um, you and I, Josh and I, have been in communication, but I did not know Leo's name at that point. Well, they've only met three times, so I think we're all <laughs> <up here. laughs> uh, mailbag answer. So I was going to say that maybe Devo should get one, but it turns out it already exists. Really, Devo has a game. <laughs> I need to find out. If more you about don't this. whip it, whip it real good, then they <laughs> did not put out the right game. Uh, That's for we. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so I'm going to take an easy route and say Earthbound Papas because who doesn't want to play as Nobuo Matsu? It would have wrestling considering he wanted to be a professional wrestler as a child. Um, 
Okay. <laughs> I think uh, something there was lost. On I me, would play but, uh, it. Doesn't matter. If, Doesn't matter if something's lost. I would play that. If 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 Songbird thinks it's a good idea, I'm on board. That's right. I'm done. Um, so Songbird has some questions. If uh, if you uh, you guys are if if you're not, in case you're not familiar, um, we, uh, we have um, a listener named Songbird who writes in every week, and she asks questions back to us. Um, and they often come out of left field, and those are the easy ones. The harder ones come out of whatever is ten miles past left field. So uh, I have not looked over this, so we'll see where this goes. Um, so question one. Uh, if you guys of Rocket Boat had an unlimited budget, what dream game would you create? Assuming it's different than what you're already making. <laughs> Rocket Boat the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, basically we would just add an extra dimension. Same game. Better better graphics. Just, the, just, just spruce it. Just yeah, spruce just, it. Just way bigger and better. Right on. Probably add more genres in there, too. We, kind of, yeah. we have little, little bits of different genres in the game. So, yeah. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Uh, she goes on to ask um, if you could advertise the game any way you wanted how would you go about it so um, you know you guys are already doing some things in terms of band promotion you know with this game is is something that's out of the box so in terms of marketing the game any kind of out of the box ideas that you have maybe putting on the side of a blimp maybe <laughs> um, building a real life rocket boat level that people have to run or, or building a real life rocket boat that just sounds like a good idea to me <laughs> um, advertising on um a NASA rocket, probably. Or oh, SpaceX. Nice. Nice. There you yeah. go. Yeah, that's, that's a good. The ambitious. <laughs> Leo, do you have a? Separate I'm trying answer? to think of something here, kind of along with the storyline. Maybe, uh, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking, you know, completely abstract here, maybe hacking into some, you know, a bunch of TVs in a in a big city area and okay. having having Olympia Gold talking mm. about uh, <laughs> talking yeah, I like about that the game. Ba- I like that just as much as my idea. Okay, equally. <laughs> I feel like it's a portent of things to come. We're gonna we're gonna understand that more when the game is finished. No, let's let's just be very clear here. Were this to happen, has nothing to do with anybody in this room. Just 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 saying. Yeah, if all the TVs are hacked, this yeah. has nothing no. to do with this discussion. <laughs> Pure coincidence. Uh, she goes on to ask. Uh, so there's this game called Rocket League about cars and soccer. Uh, what would a rocket boat sports game be like? Hmm. Ooh. That's a really difficult question. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really like sports games, to be honest. I'm going to be honest I'm, with you guys. Sorry, I'm right there I'm with sorry. you, so I understand. So, um, Some sort of space sport. Okay. Low gravity. So whatever kind of... Or no gravity. I mean, what kind of sports would exist in no gravity? That would change um, all I, of them. Oh, you could bring I, in, I, uh, <laughs> what, the Final Fantasy X? Uh, was it Blitzball? Blitzball, that's true. Something like that. Well, you know what pops immediately into my head is that you guys would just uh, buy the rights to iDarb and put Rocket Boat all over that. There you go. <laughs> iDarb is this game on Xbox One. If you guys haven't played it, it's like a side-scrolly, like pixel art, um, kind of like leveled soccer kind of game. But uh, it's tons of stupid fun. But um, just when you said like an outer, like a, like a space sports game, that's the first thing that popped. Yeah, in my yeah, head. yeah. I can see that. Cool. Baseball, uh, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so finally, Songbird asks. Lastly, how was everyone's amazing Christmas in July? Um, referring to um, all the various. Sales that uh, companies have been doing, including uh, Amazon's um, <laughs> uh, Prime, Prime Day, Day. which mm. was either a um, great money-making success or a gigantic letdown, depending on who you ask. In Every time words, somebody you- says Prime Day after this week, I hear the the Price is Right fail horns. The bum 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 Apparently, if you ask anybody except for Amazon, it was a complete fail. But if you ask Amazon, they made crap tons of money that day. So, well, you can paint a turd pink; it's still a turd. <laughs> 
Um, uh, I'll, Songbird, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I am an Amazon Prime subscriber. I love my Prime membership. I, it would take a lot for me to give it up because I, I order, am also a Prime subscriber. I order ridiculous amounts of stuff from Amazon Prime. That buy now button is dangerous. Um, uh, I, I. Looked at some of the sales. Um, I just couldn't find anything that interested me. All the stuff that I wanted. I mean, this is. I'm pretty much echoing this. Everybody's sentiments here is that everything that interested me had already sold out, or was not enough of a discount to like really make it worth it. So um, my Christmas in July was non-existent. They did. I'm looking up. They did sell. It. They actually had as part of the sale. I don't remember what department it was in. They were selling a shoehorn. <laughs> That well, that happened, man. So I mean, not their usual fare, that's for sure. Uh, my, my Christmas huh. in July was was bland. I'll say I'll say bland. Did you get anything on Prime Day? Or? No, they're just um, the same thing. I poked yeah. around. I looked like everybody else, but I just went. I almost pulled the trigger on a on a, a Bluetooth speaker for uh, Michelle. Got a new office at work, and so she needs a speaker there. And um, I almost pulled the trigger on one, but it just. I looked up reviews and they were mediocre, so I decided to pass. How about you guys? Did you guys uh, get any uh, goodies over all the various sales the last couple weeks? I had no idea this was going on. It's probably <laughs> for the better, uh-huh. honestly. <laughs> and um, if I did, I wouldn't have bought anything because um, I'm a professional musician. I understand. <laughs> and uh, I have the same problem. Yeah, I, I do that, and I. Uh, and I make free video games. So <laughs> professional musician that makes free video games. My God, man! Uh, you and I are both floating along in the same <laughs> leaky, sinking boat. It's I, not I, a rocket boat. Yeah, it's not a rocket <laughs> boat. Maybe if there was a rocket on the boat, get out of the water. It's a bottle rocket boat. A, uh, oh God! File that for God's <laughs> sakes, man. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Can't um, take him anywhere. <laughs> Um, uh, Leo, any, no, not, no, I did no. not indulge. No, okay. I'm <laughs> busy with things and making free games. Probably for the better. Um, <laughs> and we thank you for it, both of you. Um, so thank you, Songbird and Danny, for uh, responding to our uh, email, email and uh, mailbag questions this week. We appreciate it very much. Um, all right, so now here's the part where we plug all the things that are important to us that are coming up in the coming weeks uh, slash months, just depending on uh, what you got. John, what do you have coming up in your life? Um, I'm going to try and force myself to sit down and play a little bit of... Um uh, a variety of things this coming week. I say that every week. It's probably not going to happen. I'm did you sure. pick up Far Cry 4? I did not. Aww. I did not. I was tempted during the sale, but I had a couple other things uh, band-related that, you know, Took as Josh there. pointed out, uh, professional musician, and you know, money had to go there first. Um, so I, I'm going to try and spend a little time doing that. Um, you know, really, the band's been working on so much stuff, but we've been working on things completely different than what we normally work on normally we're we're getting stuff ready for the live shows but because we're in the the last stages of finishing the second album and then re- completely rebuilding everything facet of the live show from the, from the ground up um it we're working on all that stuff but it's in like little sections and you know we're working on a shitload of costume pieces for a program we're going to be launching it's like a i can't even get into it because it's too complicated to spend on this one section of show but it's like a it's almost like a guild system where you pick your favorite member of the band and um you you earn like costume pieces to wear for that as like a kind of like to parade or champion that member of the band because you know as you know everybody that comes to our shows they're all in costumes they make their own villains and characters and give them names and shit so we're simply 
essentially letting them join like our team, like respective team and making it like a competitive thing and they earn shit and you know, there's no money to be made on it. It's just to kind of give them something a little more exciting to get involved with in the band. As Josh said, unique, unique ways to engage your people. And yeah, maybe we can have a crossover special. Let's do it, man. <laughs> let's fucking do that shit. I'm on board, man. Let's make it happen. Uh, so we're going to be working on all that stuff. Uh, little details up in the coming week. Um, and other than that, I'm just going to go back to wishing I could eat pizza and not have it. So, And I'm going to um, continue to feel sorry for you uh, because I ate pizza yesterday and it was delicious. You bastard. <laughs> um, so, Josh, um, does Rocket Boat have any uh, shows coming up or anything else that you want to plug and let people know about? Yeah, we're actually playing in Hammond, Indiana at the Blue Room Cafe for Beatles Fest. We're um, right on. We're covering all Beatles songs that night. This will be oh, long. that's fucking rad. That's very cool. Uh, like like direct covers or like interpretive covers. Interpretive. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, that will be on August eighth. We have some new songs coming out soon, and uh, basically, I mean, the main thing we're working on right now is just trying to get this game ready and, and figure out how to start promoting that. And we will be. You will hear more from Rocket Boat. Oh, uh, just one more time. What is the band's website? The band's website is rocketboat.com. Perfect. Uh, Leo, on your side of things, um, anything that you'd like to let people know about? Any, anything else that you're inter- interested in or pr- involved in that uh, you'd like to share? Sure, sure. I got something. Um, kind of related to what we briefly talked about at the beginning with some of our views. Um, I'm very involved in open source technology. Um, so I'm very interested in kind of creating technical solutions for common basic problems. <laughs> like food production, localized food production, uh, water reclamation, water filtering. Um, so the main website for that is facebook.com slash open source project earth. And that's kind of the general hub for all of these smaller projects. In there, you can find sustainable food, which is an aquaponic system, sustainable water, which is a water reclamation project. Um, and yeah, that's kind of something that's, that I do on the side um, and is always updated. So what you're saying is you have tons of free time. Lots of time to time. I, I stop time, some people say. Wow, that's, man, that's very I cool, man. I am such a schmuck. I'm over here going, I just want pizza. You know? Fucking Leo's trying to save the universe, and he's building a fucking video game. God damn it, what a schlub. Well done, man. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. That's, very, that's very cool. Very, very cool. Um, my side of things, um, just uh, more of the same. Um, uh, ponies, conventions, social media, hurry for fun stuff. Um, yeah, uh, more. Yeah, that's, that's uh, nothing new there. So next week, um, you know the uh, the Evolution Gaming Tournament was this last uh, this last week, and um, tonight's spot was already booked. So Brian is going to be joining us next week to um, talk about his experience at Evo. Let us know um, what he thought, how things went, and just give us his feedback. And I'm sure, uh, like we mentioned earlier, we're probably going to hear some more about um, the, uh, the the Street Fighter beta. I'm sure uh, there will be more developments in the next <laughs> or week. Or the lack that, thereof. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, uh, next week, um, if you have any questions about Evo um, or um, anything uh, for Mr. Lesser, uh, please uh, let us know. And uh, so, yeah, with all that being said, if you like what you heard, you can find us at GamerHeadRadio.com, at Facebook.com backslash GamerHeadRadio, at Google.com backslash plus GamerHeadRadio, and on Twitter at GamerHeadRadio, where I'm at T-E-K Charlie, John is at the Fallon Flynn, Goat is at Sir Goatsworth, follow his tour antics on Twitter and on Instagram. Um... Uh, gentlemen, do you guys have, have your own personal uh, Twitter or other social media presences you'd like to share? 
Uh, yeah, I'm learning how to, to become uh, active, and I, I just actually posted a tweet the other day for the first time in a year, <laughs> probably. Um, it's at Josh Hancher, it's just my name, and you can also follow at Present Day Media, which is the title of the company we're using to create Rocket Boat the Game and other potential future projects. Cool. And that's uh, at J-O-S-H-H-A-N-C-H-A-R, correct? Correct. Cool. Leo, are you on Twitter or anything else? Um, I don't even use my Twitter. But I don't even remember what it is, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but my Facebook, I, I have an activism page. Um, it's facebook.com slash leo.riveron.activism. Um, that's kind of just the general hub that I kind of talk about various world things and kind of going along with the open source Project Earth cool. um, type of direction. And that's R-I-V-E-R-O-N in the spelling. Yes, river and then on one word. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, email us at editors at the Gamerhead Radio or call and leave us a message at 94926Gamer. Download the official Gamerhead Radio app from Google Play or an- on Android or subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, Twitch, or with your podcast downloader of choice. Thank you very much for listening. This has been a very rocket boaty episode of Gamerhead Radio. And now here is MC Lars's track from his upcoming album, The Zombie Dinosaur LP. This is Dragon Blood. I got dragon blood, what you wanna do, son? I got dragon blood, what you wanna do? I got dragon blood, what you wanna do, son? Cause I'm always going hard with my Dothraki crew. Daenerys be the name, and I'm setting hearts aflame when I'm bringing down these villages and freeing all the slaves. Wiz Khaleesi, have you bit my dragons? My brother tried to sell me to Caldrogo, look what happened. A bit hot-headed with that molten golden crown. I stopped the Kalasar, so don't be messing with me now. Look my lover in the eye, winter's coming, so am I. I burned the witch alive, but took my son and husband's lives. But I survived so frisky, now these dragons have my back. Suitors are so frisky, and they always try to mack. Zara, Zoe, and Daxos had to lock him in a vault. Mend my way to Slaver's Bay, but it was not my fault. It was karmic retribution. There was no preparing them when Crisis tried to mess with the wrong Targaryen. I smarted him like Tyrion when I knew how Valyrian. These creatures on my shoulders, well, I think you should be fearing them. You are now watching the throne. I got dragon blood, what you wanna do, son? I got dragon blood, what you wanna do? I got dragon blood, what you wanna do, son? Cause I'm always going hard with my Dothraki crew. I got dragon blood, what you wanna do, son? I got dragon blood, what you wanna do? I got dragon blood, what you wanna do, son? Cause I'm always going hard with my Dothraki crew. Dothraki, Dothraki. Thracky the Thracky, unsullied behind me, like I'm Luminati. It's the mother of dragons with my gigantic army. We be marching to Marine, but no, we didn't come to party. Cause they crucify the slaves and put them on the cross. Sir Jorah, please get lost. I know you think I'm hot. My schedule's kinda busy, got no time for Perryayin. White girl politic, and that's Daenerys Palin. From Dorne to the Stormlands, the north and beyond. To the Westlands and Essos, I'm keeping it strong. From the Crownlands to the Reach, you know I'm getting love. To the Riverlands and back because I've got that dragon blood. So follow more cool. I thought that you knew this, but dragons are people, you know we've been through this. I'm quick to burn a hater, no mercy danger, smacking kings in the face like my name was Cersei Lannister. Burn, burn, yes you're gonna burn. Burn, burn, yes you're gonna burn. Burn, burn, yes you're gonna burn.